This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners? And welcome to episode 82 of the Radio Freest Van podcast, a 30K Horus Heresy podcast. And you're in luck because this is the White Scars episode. Oh boy. My name is Michael, and I got my co host Scott here. Go and say what's going on, Scott. Love that apron. Good evening, gentlemen. You got your six plus cover save apron over there, protecting you from all sorts of there spilled null oils and Agrax Earth Shades. That's and, right. My goodness. <laughs> and of course, we can't forget about powerful, powerful Ryan Kimmel over there with his Eye of Horus uh, hoodie on. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm over. I'm like the yeah. only one over here not Broke. representing anything. I was wearing my black label painting Bro- shirt. Broadcast. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, huh, Michael? <laughs> never mm. the bride. <clears throat> so, I got my Varangian Heresy hat here. I'm looking at that too. So, I, I need to get an Age of those fucking Age of Darkness shirts that JP made are so cool. I fucking, love they look it. like an underground metal shirt. I love it. I just haven't. I I want one, and I've already like I have the money to buy one. I've just like every time I think I need to order that, I'm fucking busy doing something, and then when I have free time, I forget that I want to order it. So. You need to remind me when we get to the end of the episode and I'll fucking order it. That'll be the last thing I remind you to do before this episode's over. I will not forget. So, but love it, man. Okay. Love it. So anyway, fellas, I'm sure a lot of you people listening right now are brand new listeners because you saw White Scars. I want to know how the White Scars work in Horus Heresy because that's the most popular Legion played in the Horus Heresy. Just kidding. It's not. It's not even close. But... You're listening to this episode and you're thinking to yourself... They're still cool. Yeah, no, they're badass. They're fucking cool as shit. But they're so hard to get into. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. I mean, they're white, dude. I get it. You know, they're like, they're white's hard to paint. Then they're expensive models. I understand. White scars are just a hard army to get into. But later on in this episode, we're going to talk about how to play them. We're going to talk about their fluff overview. Let me give you all a breakdown of what we expect this episode for all you listeners out there. So, of course, we're going to do our our intro and hobby progress where we talk about, you know, how we're doing, what we're working on, all that jazz. Uh, then we got some thank yous we want to go ahead and shout out. We're going to make a huge Heresy Camp announcement. So, all you people that plan on coming to Heresy Camp, we got a huge announcement coming up for you. Then we're going to play our voicemails, which we get in every episode, where we have a bunch of random voicemails that we get in. Whatever you guys tell us, we play it live on air. It's pretty awesome. Then we have some emails we're going to go over. So there's probably some industrial accident stories in there from people that we'll be talking about. Then we're going to jump right into the white scars portion of this episode where we will go over the fluff overview. Uh, we're going to talk about Jagged Khan and what he's all about. We're going to talk about their special rules, their legion traits. We're going to talk about what kind of special war gear they get in Horus Heresy. Then we're going to talk about their special rights of war and what rights of war are good for them. So we'll have we'll break all that down. We'll bring all of you into the into the light of the white scars. And then once we're done with all of that, we're gonna go ahead and go ahead and go over a couple of lists that were submitted into uh, Ryan. And he's gonna go over a Shattered Legion mm-hmm. list, which is a 
Iron Warriors World Eater combo list at 3,000 points. And then we're going to go over a Night Lords list at 2,500 points. So it's going to be a long and solid episode. And I will say, for starters, guys, we actually got an insane amount of emails this week. Like, we had an insane amount of industrial accident stories. We got an insane amount of just, like, ridiculous emails as far as stories are coming in. Uh, love you guys for sending them in. We're not going to get all of them in this episode. We'll explain a little bit more here once we get to those emails, but uh, uh, you're going to have a good time. So if you're here for the white scars, you, you're getting so much more. You're getting so much more. So anyway, on to the intro and hobby progress. Let's go start with you, Ryan. What have you been up to, buddy? So I think we talked about it a little bit about what I was starting. So I'm actually, I started a Rhino. It's a Demios Rhino, a Demios Vindicator, and a Demios uh, Scorpius Whirlwind. So I'm doing all three at once. Powerful. So uh, they're about half, they're about half done, I guess. Um, I got uh, all the base coats done. I got all the decals on. Um, I got all the rivets and shit painted. I got the tracks painted. Um, I got the turret on the Scorpius. Uh, so basically, I got to do all the uh, chipping and things like that. The uh, extraneous bits that I have painted, like the exhaust and all that, glued on, even though it's all done. And then do the, you know, the weathering with all the fucking washes and oils and all that shit. And this is all going for your uh, your Death Guard army, right? Yep, this will be the last of the tanks for now. I also put in a giant Forge World order, um, so when that comes in, I'll throw pictures of it up. But uh, Freddy, because of his f- fucking uh, tank rules, forced me to spend money. So I ended up getting like I got another Demios uh, Vindicator coming. Uh, I got three uh, Sikarin battle tanks coming. Uh, I ordered my. Uh, Secret Santa gift for, uh, I mean, I guess I can say it. He knows he uh, fucking arranged it, and I got him. So I ordered my gift for Jamie. Ooh, um, that's not here yet. Here yet. Um, so I got that coming, and then I ordered a Fell Blade, uh, super heavy for my Death Guard, and then I ordered some, uh, Blood and Skulls, uh, conversion parts to convert up the Fell Blade a little bit. Oh really? What do you plan on doing to your fell blade? Or is that a secret for right now? Because it, no, it's I hate the like I love the look of the tank. I like everything on the tank except I don't like the goddamn oil drum fuel tanks on the back. It doesn't make sense. It looks like you'd shoot those things with the twenty two, and all the fucking fuel would leak out and it's not going <laughs> Promethium <laughs> everywhere. <safe>. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine somebody pulling out like a fucking like three eighty and going pling 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 and just shooting some fucking holes in them drums, and it's just just all the fucking shit runs out like i i just don't like it i've never liked that design it's the same way on the bane blade so i ordered the blood and skulls like armored looking tanks. you know box fuel tanks it looks like something yeah yeah it looks like something like on a bulldozer or something where the uh, fuck like on a cat where do D6 modern tanks keep their fuel tanks i've never even thought about that i just imagine not on the outside tr- <laughs> <laughs> um like like I don't know in Afghanistan we have mat V's where you like they have um armored compartments like cabinets on the outside of them that have like steel doors and you can put gas cans in there but I 
I would never tie any of those to the outside of a vehicle. Like <laughs> if you see those cans on the outside, usually, hopefully they have water unless they're like a national guard unit that doesn't know what's <laughs> up and are like on their way to a very tragic incident involving a fire. <laughs> so, so you're Scott telling- was the guy that went around with the, with the, with the aerosol uh, can of spray paint. And if he seen somebody doing that, just spray painted Pogue on the fucking vehicle. Oh, God, and went on. Yeah. <laughs> So what you're telling me is our military does not pull around fuel in small little trailers like the Malkador Furnace does. That's what you're telling me. That's, you're no, telling me to no, my face. Is this still happening? We've. <laughs> I don't know, man. Technology gets forgotten in the future, so that's. Um, so common sense goes with it, apparently. Yeah. So I uh, yeah, I'm ditching the fucking uh oil drum fucking things on the back. I don't I don't really like the way they look and they don't make any sense. And I'm gonna go with the uh blood and skulls ones. And then I don't like the barrels of the main gun. It looks like a G.I. Joe toy. Just like the uh, the whole tank looks cool, and then somebody put these giant oversized, really long connected together barrels that just look goofy as fuck. It like I don't I don't know, like it just does not go with the tank. So I'm getting rid of those, and I think I'm the ones on Blood and Skulls. If you look them up, I think they're called the Widowmaker barrels, and they look like if you go, if you look at the Forge World Macarius tank, the standard Macarius, not the Macarius Vanquisher, which just has like the dual battle cannon, like the shorter ones that almost look like battleship guns on like a World War II. Well, I guess we still use the same battleships, um, <laughs> but. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to replace it with those Widowmaker barrels. Uh, They're a little shorter, yeah, and they look more like realistic. Than there's like what a military vehicle would have. Yeah, they're just straight barrels. There's no muzzle brake on them. It's just like just solid, like cannon, ready to fucking handle business. Yeah, dude, that looks good. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. So it's basically just going to be a fell blade with those Widowmaker barrels on there, and then the some fucking fuel tanks that don't don't make me roll my eyes. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and Photoshop this up for you real quick because I've never seen anybody do this. So I'll fo- I'll it's fo- getting done, sir. It's already ordered. I talked to uh, Thomas uh, today or yeah, two days ago and got him ordered. Thomas, Thomas must love you, dude. Like you're keeping you're keeping his kids in college. I'm telling you that. Like it is. <laughs> nah, it's not that much. Um, he's a nice dude. Um. Whenever I I was like got all crazy about his fucking Land Raider tracks, how awesome they were, uh, I like made it a point to you know get him get him built, sending pictures and all that shit. And then Samson did that. If you if you haven't seen it yet, go to our Facebook page. Samson did a video of how to assemble those tracks, and it's a really good video. It's like a product review or whatever. Samson really likes them too. I think he bought two or three sets of them to put on his uh, Achilles that he's doing for his. Uh, uh, Imperial Fist. Yeah, if so. you get if you get any of Blood and Skulls industry stuff, I think by like uh, Games Workshop IP, he's not allowed to like show his stuff on the models. So if you get some Blood and Skulls industry stuff, you're allowed to show what you've done with the conversion. So definitely go ahead and post pictures up, or send up, actually send us pictures and we'll post up for you all the cool Blood and Skulls. Yeah, he's got a Facebook page too. Like he's got he's got a Facebook page. It's just like show your cool stuff you built with my bits so post it up on there and then post it up on our 
uh, Facebook. We'll definitely proudly display it. Yeah, so. absolutely. Make sure he gets a make sure he gets a picture of your stuff because I think I don't think he's allowed to, or I think he doesn't want to go through the trouble of like showing. I made this for the Lehman Russ, or I made this for the Land Raider. So if you, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's tons of people out there using his kits. If you just go and uh, show your shit off, dude, that way because well, he I just know- made all those cool night art. He made all those cool night arms too. He was asking me if I would like, uh, you know, if I if I wanted to do a night and all this stuff because he's got all those arms. It's just I'm, you know, me. I'm not super into, into imperial knights. Yeah. So yeah, I bought four of those arms, and then he he sent me a fifth one, the the tentacle cool. arm, the one that I was like, I don't know what I'd do with that. Well, now I got to. Now I got to find something to do with it. So it's pretty cool, dude. He's he's got a lot the of cats stuff. Kill me. Well, she sleep like I. I have to pick her up because she'll go lay on the the what do you call it the board. Sound board. She'll, she'll try. <laughs> she'll try and mix the podcast, and she thinks that I should sound really loud. So you know, just how she works. So anyway, but yeah, but that's pretty much it. I put in that put in that big Forge World order. It was like eight hundred and twenty pounds or something like that because I got a bunch of stuff for my game club too. Like we did a group order. <laughs> Love it, dude. Fuck. Um. So, like I said, I I got personally, I got some predators, some sicarians, a vindicator, and that fell blade to add to my death guard to make my fucking tank like just a giant goddamn wall of tanks to play Freddy's rules. Um, and I'm the, working on that. And on that's that the, vindicator, the, <laughs> the rhino, and the and the scorpius to get those done. And as soon as I'm done with the three that I already have half done, I'm going to start on my infantry. Because I just signed up for Scott, the Escalation League that Scott's helping out with. That he'll he'll tell you about it when he does his hobby progress, I'm sure. But yep. uh, his his buddy's running that and um, tree and try to get my because I've already done the 500 points. I'm going to try to in 50 levels since I missed the 500 and paint up some infantry. And for those of y'all wondering, that's, that's what I've done. If especially if you're new listeners out there and you don't, you're just like new into the horse heresy hobby or anything like that. Uh, the Freddy that Ryan is talking about is Freddy, powerful Freddy from the Varangian Heresy podcast. He's writing up uh, custom rules for armored warfare in the uh, 31st millennia. Very similar to the... Also... Good. I was going to say Nicholas Merkel over at uh, Don't Lose Your Head. He's got his own set of armored warfare rules that are slightly different. So check them both out. They, they're both pretty cool rule sets. Freddy's is kind of like an adaptation of how old Epic used to play, mixed with 30K, and then Nicholas is like X-Wing. <laughs> he used a lot of mechanics from X-Wing, so it's like X-Wing mixed with 30K. So, but they're both pretty cool. So yeah, so that is the that is the Freddy that Ryan is talking about. And so, uh, how can it can, can is, are oh. those rules out yet, or are they still like in beta test right now? I don't know. I, I would imagine if you hit up Freddy uh, at Varangian and hit up Nicholas over Don't Lose Your Head, just send him a Facebook message or email their podcast or whatever. They'll let you know you know, they, whether they'll send them to you or not. Gotcha. But they are absolutely getting play tested right now. Like that's, that is happening across all the podcasts. These are rule. These rules are getting play tested. So. Oh, the last thing I did is I ran a free uh, airbrush class for my game club. Oh my God. Game night. <laughs> yeah. So this is just like a little like three four hour thing. Uh, just basically, we got four, three or four guys wanting to get into airbrushing that literally know nothing. So I was like, 
these are these are the airbrushes I own. These are how airbrushes work. This is what I recommend. You know, if if you want to buy one and get an entry level, uh, we talked a little bit about air compressors, about you know vent hoods, about things that aren't necessarily airbrushes that you should probably buy, uh, like pipettes, uh, the little jar with the airbrush holder to hold your airbrush and uses a jar at the same time, um, applicator sticks, like all this stuff, like what thinner I use, how I thin my paints, how to you know, use Tamiya thinner with Tamiya paints or any alcohol based and then only used acrylic thinner with acrylic paints. Like, so basically like the 98% of the shit that I didn't know when I started airbrushing and I was wasted two years of my life fiddle fucking around my airbrush more than I ever got an airbrushing done. Cause it constantly call logged. I didn't have the right stuff. I didn't know what I was doing. And then I took a few airbrush classing classes and like jumped light years ahead. I basically started them Basically, it was like a class, like if you went to a CK Studios class or an, or an MKA class or whatever, what they teach you in essentially the first 10 minutes, 30 minutes of the class. I basically just folk. Yeah, I, I focused like exclusively on that for like super, super beginner level. Um, so it's pretty cool. And then we, we sat down and I had everybody bring a few models they wanted to try. And I showed them how to do just a quick Zenithal style, uh, like, you know, where it's faded from the top down. Like basically how I do my blood angels where I do the three levels of red. Um, but I did it in whatever colors they want. So somebody brought some chaos cultists and we did Brown. So we did like a, a like tan faded to a dark Brown. And then somebody brought ultramarine. So we did blue and then somebody brought blood angels. So we just did my, my red formula on his blood angels. And then our buddy, Chris Duncan brought some terrain and it's the Armageddon train that has like the panels with the mechanical looking shit in between them. So we airbrushed that silver on all the mechanical stuff and then did like how you do the panels where you go from the center out instead of fading down, you fade. You, it's brighter in the center and it fades out. Uh, showed, showed him how to do decals on that. So we did this piece of terrain in maybe 30 minutes or whatever and he was fucking stoked because Chris doesn't normally like to paint for himself. His hands got a little bit of problems with his hands from the military and they start shaking after a while. And he usually commission paints his sends the stuff off for commission painting. They actually, the stuff that he paints himself actually looks pretty good. So I always try to encourage him to paint. And I'm hoping that with the airbrush, it won't matter so much with, you know, his hand shaking or whatever. And he can fly get, through it. get the larger. Yeah. Fly through it and then work on the, cause it's mostly the, his hands start to shake and he, he does, he, he always put, you know, pays commission guys to do it or whatever. And I, I think this will help him where he can, uh, um, you know, just, just basically do more for himself. So he actually messaged me today in the middle of the day and was like, man, I, I'm, I really, really enjoyed doing that airbrush yesterday. You know, thanks for showing me that whatever. And, uh, so he's going to come over here and use my setup for a while. Cause they're him and his wife are having a new house built. And where they're at now, he doesn't really have room for setup until he gets his house built uh, in the springtime. So um, he, we're going to make it a point for him to come over here and airbrush like once a week to, to get you know good at it. And then um, by the time he gets his house built in the spring, he'll get his own off from there. That's wild, man. So Hell that's yeah. all my hobby progress. That's cool, man. Just bringing bringing the airbrush, bringing bringing your skills to the table and elevating your entire group that's fucking badass that's rad so what about you scott man what you been working on looks like you're working right now got your uh, hobby yeah. apron on everything 
I am. I know. I got on my C plus cover save uh, RFI apron on, proprietary to RFI. But um, <laughs> yeah, man, I've been working on these uh, world leaders as Ryan had kind of mentioned for our uh, our local escalation campaign in between Indiana and Kentucky. We probably have oh about ten players, something like that. And um, we're into the first first like evolution of games, so we get in three games on a biweekly basis. So within fourteen days. Uh, you'll play three games at 500 points, and then it goes up from there, 250-point increments. Um, I'm with that, man. Like I said, it's something that's allowing me to kind of pace how I paint this army and my purchases and stuff, where if you look at purchasing an army as just a massive project where you're going to buy 4,000 points all at once, that's very, like, cost prohibitive for a lot of people this is a lot simpler you know knowing i can only i only have to buy 250 points at a time and paint those and focus on those so that's pretty cool um what i've been working on recently i just knocked out a world eaters contemptor and i'm working on my galon surlac uh slash primus medicaid conversion i've done so i'll probably have facebook pictures of these guys up I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, something like that. I'll just put them up together since it's only two models. I don't want to like cloud our Facebook page with random shit. But, um, they look awesome, man. You brought them down to game night. When you first showed pictures, I liked them anyway, but I felt like the gold may have been a little too bright. But when I saw it in person, it's not, it, it yeah, yeah, it, it looks a lot better in person. I mean, Thanks, like man. I said, it didn't look bad before. It was just, I was like, the the yeah. you know skill wise it was fine I was just like man that's kind of bright uh, you know maybe you should put some wash on that but then when I saw it in person it wasn't it was more muted than it than I thought well I appreciate it man um it's a uh, it's been a fun project so far I mean I really like painting whites and reds that's kind of like one of my one of my go tos as far as my fortes in painting I'm, I'm at least in my own mind I'm pretty decent at painting white. And uh, I've got a decent decent scheme for red down, and it brings these together pretty well. And that gold is, it's not anything too crazy. It's just old gold and gold of uh, Vallejo model color. So anyone that has a Hobby Lobby near them in, in the U.S. or whatnot, that brand should be pretty readily available there. It's a, it's a very good, you know, acrylic paint brand. It's fairly cheap. I think for a dropper bottle, it's like $3 per dropper bottle. So it's pretty cheap and... Uh, you can pump any of that through an airbrush with the 50-50 mix of, you know, Vallejo thinner. Really? Easy to use. Huh. Yep. So, yep, 50-50. Just remember that. So, you you know, and in, in, then look at the bright side of that. You're getting more bang for your buck, you know. I don't know. I guess maybe not since you're buying thinner, but. Because I didn't know, but Vallejo, I just bought one. There, You get like a. A huge it's almost like half of a two liter it's like a 200 milliliter fucking thinner bottle this bad yeah, like that boy yeah yeah what's the part number on that scott seven zero what uh airbrush thinner part number is seven one dot one six one so um yeah it's a black and white label airbrush thinner you know and plain black font uh, plain white yeah. font on a black field with a little airbrush emoji looking thing above it um that shit's fantastic i don't i don't understand the science behind you know how they compose their thinner but i've never <laughs> had an issue with it and uh i pump mine personally yeah. through uh a grex um xgi so most hobby towns um 
should carry you know this airbrush and it and it's like corresponding components so if you have any breakages or you fucking fat finger something like i do a lot and lose a spring or something you should be able to run out and buy one of those if you have one locally like one of those stores locally but for, the, for those emergencies that's me man situations. um yeah yeah for emergencies i did that is one of the most important things i would recommend to anyone whatever paints you decide to go with or whatever you're using for like a big project Make sure you have locally where you can go out and buy that because the internet's great. I get it. Amazon Prime is, you know, kind of alleviated a lot of this, but I am always, I never realize I'm running out of paint until I use the last drop and I'm in the middle of something like pivotal for me to finish. And then I've got to go out and buy more. So I would definitely recommend anyone, you know, source those friendly local hobby shops and shit for for good paint uh as far as that man i got my we're talking about blood and skulls i got my oppressor pattern um tracks on the way for my land raiders so you'll get to see what the other variant looks like you've seen the liberator on um ryan's tanks and uh black label paints tanks and i'm gonna use the spikes on mine so i'll i'll once i whenever i get those done i like you know two three weeks from now I'll put them up on our Facebook page and people can check those out for their, but that's it, man. Fucking fantastic, dude. Fantastic. Love the, well, I can hear myself. You got, we got some major echo somewhere. Okay. So anyway, so I guess, uh, onto my hobby progress. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to receive from the powerful, uh, fabricator general himself, he uh he got me some <laughs> acquisitors early, so I got four acquisitors. Uh, immediately, these things are stupid easy to assemble. Like hands down, it's probably one of the simplest uh, Forge World models I've ever put together. It's like looking over the camera, like it's like six parts all together just to get her going. So assembling four of them with uh with super glue and uh. Uh, what's it called? Uh, accelerator. It's like no time at all. Like just bam, they're done. Uh, have you guys seen the flying bases and how they work on that? It's just a little notch. That so I haven't. They're the new newer style, right? Like they made the. So you, you know, so you see this little this little pin right here, down. like just like a little baby nub. They supply yep. you with. They supply you with this little plastic nub. You're a baby nub. <laughs> so they, they give you this okay so this is the new like the like the new flying base for the uh for the acquisitor and this goes on to uh this guy right here which then glues on to the actual flying base and so like all together it's like it just hovers like slightly off the ground like some sort of like shark or some shit like that so it's pretty cool man they're they're, they're rad um I went to town, like immediately upon assembling this one, I I hit up uh, uh, Miles from Little Legend Painting, asked him, you know, what wh how he would tackle the kind of like bronzish look to it, where it's like you know it's, there's a lot of like brushed metal on it and stuff like that, and how he would kind of t bring everything forward and without just looking like a black with uh, with dry brush silver on it. And so what I ended up doing was I hit it with uh, a Chaos Black, went over the whole thing with a, uh, a Corax Black, and then 
kind of did like a streaking uh, metal dry brush to make it all look like it's uh, like flying really fast. I guess like all of the old uh, speed streaks. Uh, yeah, speed streaks on it to look like wherever it's going, it's like hauling ass. And so basically I just took a dry brush, only let it go one direction when I was pulling the, the metal paint over it with like barely any paint. And then once that was done, I hit the whole thing over with the uh, Acan Interactive Streaking Grime, let it dry just a little bit, and then took some old underwear and then wiped it all back following the uh, following the speed streaks, which way it would be going. And so that streaking grime added some 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 brown streaks to it. <laughs> <laughs> brown streaks to these underwear. Yeah, yeah, dude, those underwear do not look safe at all. So bacon no, strips. So yeah, so so it looked it looked good on that, and then I've been wanting to try out that Vallejo matte varnish because one of our co-hosts here. I'm sorry, yeah, AK Interactive uh, Ultra Matte Varnish that uh, Ryan suggested I try out, and Jesus Christ, man, this hands down like the flattest fucking varnish, the mattest of the matte. <laughs> like it's almost like touching like a velvet model once it's all done like it's like baby powder soft and like everything's super muted and so like once once i sprayed it on let it dry came back i couldn't process because it looks like it looks like a stealth bomber now like it looks like it's hard to like it, it absorbs no light like or it absorbs all the light <laughs> so there's zero reflection off of it so this whole thing is like it's hard to look at like it's, it's very it's very weird so w- once I tried it on that, I immediately was like, "You want another tip? Yeah, you want like, another small tip? Yeah, just keep it coming. Just <laughs> keep stacking them tips in there." <laughs> um, when you use that stuff, you alter like so you like if you put bolt gun metal, like you say, here's a scratch, right? Yeah, on a model, and then you hit it with that ultra mat. You know how it takes the metallic kind of finish and almost makes it look like a, it's still silver, but it's like real muted. Oh yeah, oh yeah, very muted. Take take more bolt gun and go over the top of it again, and but do it just like smaller or near the front of the scratch. And I can't tell you why it makes it look better, but it looks better. It looks like a multi lever layered uh, scratch, and that's just something I discovered on my own. Uh, I don't that wasn't like taught to me or whatever. I just I decided when I when I did these Death Guard tanks and I went through and did all my fresh chips at the end without her silver and then i i sprayed uh that stuff on it and i was like man these are kind of muted and i went back over them again with silver and i noticed that if i just hit the edges of them like the front part of the scratch it looks really badass it makes it look very like multi-layered so that's what i've been doing and then those last scratches those last little bit of the scratches bob ross would characterize as a happy accident happy accident yeah so then those last when i went back over them i don't i don't re-mat it or re like varnish it i just leave it like i'm not really worried about that bolt gun wearing off in little fucking places all over the tank i just i that's like the last step i do is go back over the silver just a little bit or just like in small parts and and kind of random like extra little chips that are that don't have any of the varnish over them and it gives it a multi-dimensional look so so i will absolutely do that like guaranteed that i'm, I'm game for that that seems simple enough. I'm just gonna go back over all the scratches and all here, all the speed speed scratches that are on here. Uh, definitely, will be will be trying that little trick out because I can only imagine, it can only look better from here. I'm very happy with the way it turned out. Now, uh, the only thing I'm working need to work on is the lenses, and I figure I can paint the lenses now and make them really pop because you know 
they'll really kick out from how math this fucking shit is. I can only imagine, yeah. like, if I had put some sort of vinyl on here, how insane this vinyl would have, like, how insane that this matte finish would have, like, muted that vinyl onto the model itself. So, I don't know. I'm going to have to see if there's some Talons of the Emperor's vinyl out there. Start. See if there's any sisters. Of I can help you with shit. your decals. There's some. There's some tricks to decals. You need to come up here and visit me, and I'll show you. I know things. I know. But this was exciting. This was like a. This was like out of the blue, like work on Acquisistor, like literally like no time at all to get to this level, and like it's, it's very happy with it at this point. There's still definitely some stuff I need to hit up, but to get all of my Acquisistors to this level. Super fucking simple. The only thing I need to work on is finding an asphalt flying base. That's going to be difficult. Oh, whatever. We'll get there. Is it the... Uh, that's easy. Dragonforge. Dragonforge makes them. Asphalt? They're... Yep. Yes. Yep. So I got... Uh, 100%. Bits Pudlow or whatever his name is. I got all of his asphalt bases, which are these guys. So I will look into Dragonforge, but that's the... Those are what all my sisters are on. Are on these little. Nah, go go to Dragon. Go to Dragonforge. Go to the Ruined City bases and one of his flight bases for early, like a little strip of a sidewalk down one side of the oval, and then the rest of it's like flat street with some cracks in it. Okay, well, I will definitely have to do that. Then just go look through my like sisters of battle or sisters of silence are walking through fucking city. Uh, what's crazy is so I got these four from Powerful Fabricator, and. I have five of my own on the way. So I don't know what I'm going to do with nine of these acquisitors, but it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a damn good time. <laughs> Definitely going to have to find he, something. He sent, me a, he sent me a Zyphon, so thanks for fucking John being awesome. He sent me just like, I just got like a random like happy surprise, like a happiness bomb in the mail one day. I opened this box and then I'm like, holy shit, there's a Zyphon in here. Powerful so, John, powerful John, you fucking sweet uh, You know he sent Josh a Danish? I don't... A donut? A Danish, dude. Like a giant, like, wheel Danish. Like, if you go to the Forgotten Legion <laughs> Facebook page, it's like, <laughs> John, Josh is like, he, like, he posts up, he's like, who the fuck sends a fucking Danish? Like, this is incredible. Like, it's like this huge, like, <laughs> Danish wheel that, like, was, like, specially made. And, like, unfortunately, he sent it to Josh's shop, and... I don't know how long that Danish made it, but I'm pretty sure nobody else got any Danish. Like, I don't like it's gone. Well, he was smart enough not to send it to Michael uh, with instructions to share it with people that it sits in his fucking refrigerator. No, 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 no. I took it to Josh because we all see Josh, and then that's where I fucked up because. (laughs) And I learned. Whatever. I I learned. I don't want to hear it. I don't don't want to hear it. I know you're making up stories because I talked to your parents and your parents are like, I don't send shit to Michael because if you try to get it to me, you'll send it to him and fucking we'll never see it. So just send it directly to us. <laughs> I say your dad the flashlight. It, I'm telling you, it went straight in my fridge and then I took it to Josh. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Josh had more of those candies than I did. Guaranteed. Hands down. But... Uh. Oh, I gotta, I, I gotta uh, tease Scott a little bit. So last night he was like, "Hey man, you got any these melt bombs? I need to go through your bits again." So I drag out all these fucking bits bags, and Scott, Scott loves bits, man. I got all my bits bags out, up, and at the same time, my mom, my mom, oh my god, it's terrible. My wife, oh, oh my. lord, <laughs> oh no, what is that? Uh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna go ahead and stop recording now. We'll let you go ahead and apologize and. My- <laughs> 
take a minute. <laughs> my uh, my wife got all He's the so her. She made dinner for the game club, and she made a uh, pizza lasagna. What did you have? You made pizza lasagna, garlic bread, snickerdoodle cookies, no bake cookies. There wasn't anything. I thought there was something else. But anyway, Scott was like back here doing uh, digging through the bits bags when the food came down, and I could see his brain. Uh, warring with itself on what was more important the lasagna and snickerdoodle cookies or fucking bits like it was like an internal war <laughs> it's pretty funny I think that's I, right man <laughs> I don't know man like lasagna pizza wow. that sounds incredible like I don't that's, I didn't even it was know it incredible don't worry I fucking I pulled it off all right I I, I, I fit both in <laughs> man yeah. of many talents all right uh, so yeah, anyway, so Acquisistors uh, worked on those, got them assembled, got one completely painted up. Uh, as well, this week, uh, I got my order from uh, Blood and Skulls Industries. Since we're all talking about stuff that we've purchased from Blood and Skulls, uh, I got my order of the Knight Arms. So I got the two Mechanoid Claw arm mounts, and I got my two Mechanoid Saw arm mounts. And then uh, he threw in the the uh the mechanoid slasher arm mount which is like the 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 like tentacle porn like metal like tentacles so so i gotta i gotta figure out how i'm gonna i'm gonna handle that uh the good news is so the the actual knights i'm running are just the close combat hand and the uh the the reaper chainsword i think it's a reaper chainsword Anyway, that's the gallant. That's the night. Yeah. So the night I'm running nothing but night gallant. So it's like chainsaw arm on one arm and then crushy claw on the other. And then I've got the tarot model maker saws as well. So I think I'm like over quota on like third party arms that I could have. Uh, but he also, he also sent me the, he also makes a, a special longer cannon and he also makes the Gatlin gun. So I guess if you have the, the original night kit that doesn't come with the Gatling gun. He yep. makes the Gatling gun that fits on the, uh, on the little shield for the, so you could build, you, if you, ha if you have a paladin or a, uh, errant, errant, you can turn it into a warden or a crusader. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So I also said that, unfortunately I don't think I'll use them. So, uh, if anybody can use that, let us know. And I can, I could definitely work it out to where it finds its way to you, because I I have no use for the 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 Gatling gun arm yet. So. Well, say, hang on to them, and like we talked to with David, I might get pick up a night kit, and we can throw it in with that, and David can paint it up, and we can do it for Toys for Tots. Works for me, man. It works for me. So, and on top of that, the good news is because I'm working on all the Sisters of Silence stuff. Clearly not a whole lot of time to assemble knights, especially because I went like whole ham with these fucking things with like the posable legs and shit. And so if you've ever put a set of posable legs together for the knight, it's probably the biggest pain in the ass that you could ever need to do. So <laughs> I sent that all to my roommate. So he's he's uh, he's been working on those. So as, <laughs> as Michael's poor <laughs> Like uh, so so yeah, man. Like he's uh, you need to send him a bunch of uh, 
Me Mechanicus Rust Stalkers just because they're fiddly and fucking suck to put together. Dude. Not because you even want to use them, but just like to torture you more. Dude, you know what he said whenever I asked him if he could put my sisters of silence together? He says, yeah, I'll put them together as long what? as they're not like those fucking scions you had me putting together. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever put together a scion kit, man? Fuck that. Yeah, like, he was <laughs> the Tempesta Scions for 40k? Yes, the Tempesta Scions. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I built I built oh, some. Yeah. Cool. I think I had to put together like 40 of they're, those for me or something like that. They're very mono. They're very mono posed too. You can't really do a lot with them. They only come with five guys and they pretty much all like look the fucking same when you put them exactly. together. Yeah. And and like this right leg goes to a specific torso on this body. Like it it's such a yeah. pain in the tits, man. Dude, oh he, my God. he's put together for me. He's put together Night Scions before. He's put together Elysian Drop Troops because uh, he loves assembling things. He loves Gundams and all that, so he loves putting stuff together. And I was like, hey, man, would you like to put together this Solar Ox <laughs> Flamer Squad? And he's like, yeah, I guess so. I'm pretty sure Scott Oh, boy. What's <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> like Michael, player. Michael's just gonna get more roommates and lock them on the basement. And just have a model building sweatshop down there. Like. Easy, easy, <laughs> done, Duns, Dunskies. Y'all get that stormbird together. <laughs> Finish the stormbird. You're on quota. So, <laughs> so yeah. So while I'm putting together these giant six piece acquisitors, <laughs> he's he's got he's working on my he's working on my knights right now. So I'm pretty excited about that. So. Yes, yes, that's that's where I'm at right now, in a good place, in a good good hobbying hobbying place right now. So, we're all firing on all cylinders, man. I'm pretty Fuck. happy. How's Derek where's doing? A, where's old Derek? At? How's he doing? Did he fucking survive through the holidays thus far? Uh, apparently, he went through Black Friday sick, is what he was saying. So, I don't think he had Before. a good time. Like, I cannot imagine being. <laughs> no, not I can't. Right. I can't imagine how much I'd have to resist throat punching somebody mad at me that I don't have the $25 TV that they wanted and, uh, and uh, they, because they showed up at like retail, you know, working retail on Black Friday. Uh, fuck that. Especially when you're right. sick. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Be like, I do not yeah. give a shit about your problem because you can't call yeah. in sick. You can't like they don't like they like no matter how much you're like, no, I'm dying right now. They're like, man, eh, well, you're faking. Get in here. Like, that's it. <laughs> poor Derek. He's uh he's ha he's he's uh he's living the retail life during the during the holidays. Nothing he could do. So anyway. We do have a Black Friday story though, once we get to voicemails. So we'll 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 be getting there soon enough after we make this heresy camp announcement. So here's the thing, guys. Stand by. Stand by for Harrison Camp announcement. So here tomorrow, probably about five o'clock Central Time, we will go ahead and drop the first pre-order tickets for Harrison Camp. Uh, so these tickets we are limiting right now to five-day passers only, uh, just so we can get a solid number of people who will be purchasing the five-day passes, uh, as well as the individuals who will be attending the cult of paint painting class okay uh so the five day course that we're gonna or the i'm sorry the five day uh heresy camp tickets we're gonna go ahead and post up now uh these are going to be for the five day passers 
as well as the individuals who will be taking the Cult of Paint class. We're trying, like, in order for this Cult of Paint class to happen, we have to have at least 30 attendees going to the paint class. And so uh, that's the number we're trying to hit. Uh, if we do not hit those 30 attendees, then we're going to have to cancel the paint class. And we will refund y'all's money on that. But this is for a pre-order for not only the five-day pass, but also the uh, the the Cult of Paint class. And that's going to be held by powerful uh, Henry Steele. So definitely a class to look forward to. Uh, it all determines based on these pre-sale tickets. Uh, once we get these pre-sale out of the way, probably about mid-January, we'll start looking at the three-day passes and, and, and swag and things like that. But we're just trying to get the five days out of the way right now. Uh, we we are limiting it. There, there's 100 attendees that are allowed, and then we're only offering 50 pre-sale tickets right now for the five-day. So we're not going to sell out completely on yep. five days. So. Yeah, so, so if you if you're if you're only wanting to come three day, you're you don't have to worry about us selling all the tickets out from underneath you on, on five days. But if we sell out of five days, if we sell fifty five day tickets, and you want to be a five day guy, you can still buy those when we launch all the tickets for the three in January. Yep. So out well for everybody. If you want to want to come for three days or want to come with five days, you're you're gonna be have equal opportunity to get tickets whenever. Absolutely. So this is just to secure the venue painting class and to uh, and to secure the uh, the actual painting class itself is what we're what we're trying to uh, to accomplish with this. So we can definitely ensure that the uh, the actual plans can be made uh, for the painting class by Henry, and then also make sure that we can secure the venue. So all of our listeners out there, we'll definitely post something up on not only our Facebook page. But we will also make sure we get something posted up on the actual, uh, the actual Heresy Camp Facebook page as well, the Heresy Camp group. We're just looking to get this, uh, get this kicked off and on the road now. So simple enough, solid announcement. Looking forward to it. So that we should, that you, should be Monday, which would be uh, December fourth. You should see that now. Did you want to explain how the painting class works? How it's kind of like in addition to Heresy Camp, like you have to pay the extra or whatever? Or do you want to... Yeah, so so the the cost of the actual painting class itself is going to be about $115 an individual. Uh, so that's highly discounted from the painting classes that were being offered uh, from Henry before. And so we uh, it, it's, it's kind of a... To, to get his name over here, he's he's looking to host at at Heresy Camp because he also wants to game at Heresy Camp. Uh, he's offering some some discounted tickets to get himself over here and to host this class. So you're saving money. It's it's it'll be the cost of your five day ticket plus the cost of the painting class is what you're going to be looking at. Uh, this will be the one event that will not be included inside your your. Uh, uh, your your ticket price. Everything else will kind of just you know be volunteers running and everything like that, and so uh, it's highly discounted. And this is essentially the class I, I yeah. This is essentially the class that I flew to England to take. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, hey Michael, out of curiosity, where where will this like be going live at first? Will it be on our Facebook page? Yes, we'll post it on the Facebook page and within the Heresy Camp Facebook page as well the link to actually to get it done we're hosting it through eventbrite so should be easy enough 
Any other, any other questions? It's pretty exciting. Kind of nervous about it, but pretty exciting. <clears throat> and as well, guys, for those attending three days, and let me just explain how this works. So we need 30 attendees, but he can only handle 15 attendees at a time. Uh, so the way he's going to host the class, and it's only 30 spots available, by the way. Uh, so... Uh, it's, uh, you're looking at, because we're now doing a five day pass and a three day pass for the five day pass itself, it's going to be Wednesday to Sunday. And so for you five days, the first 15 to get this, uh, this painting class, you will actually get Wednesday and Thursday. He's going to host the class for you in the morning. And so that'll be from like eight to six in the morning, he'll be hosting the class. And then you get all your gaming and everything afterwards because you'll have all night to do that. And yeah. then the second class will be held uh, Saturday and Sunday. There will be no classes held Friday. And and generally the yeah. second day that you're there ends pretty early. And so we're, we're trying to host any hobby-related classes. Like th there's going to be other classes that will be involved in Heresy Camp, but we're trying to hold anything that's hobby-related in the morning. And then gaming will take place pretty much after like you know, three or four o'clock. That's when, so that's when gamings will start as far as like narrative tracks or tournaments or anything like that, anything that's hosted. So simple yeah. enough guys. So you five days, the first 15 to get in the five day painting class, you will be that Wednesday and Thursday. So dude, heresy, heresy camp is going to be off the chain. It's off the chain, like, man. And I know that <laughs> I know that I know that I'm involved and it's like self congratulatory, but I'm telling you, this is like if you're into heresy and you want to come to the heresy event. I mean, this is a you're gonna have 135 people there, and it's it's pretty much all inclusive other than this one painting class. But you got to think you essentially have this super high end painting class going on at the same time. You could spend five days at an all inclusive place, meals, whatever, 24 seven, all revolving around horse heresy. There's nothing else even remotely close to this offered anywhere in the world. I mean, this this will be the heresy event if you want to come to a heresy event. Hopefully, first of many. Hopefully, first of many. People are already telling me to host a heresy cruise in like 2019. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> eh, hold on. Let's get heresy camp out of the way. I'm already my guts already turning from this event. <laughs> let's let's get this done. <laughs> so, absolutely heresy camp. Uh, what else can I say? That's it. It's it's happening. It's fucking happening. It's it's happening. Tickets are going on sale tomorrow. So it's enough for that announcement. We're gonna go ahead and go some voicemails. Uh, for all you new listeners here that came just for the white scars, let me explain how this ha this part of the episode works. Our voicemails. We actually have a hotmail or a voicemail line set up. It's two oh nine. RFI 30K0. We set this up for people to ask us questions and to uh, to let us know how their hobby progress is going and all this jazz. But instead, individuals just send us stories of how they shit their pants or industrial accident stories or just cool stories in general. And <laughs> we're totally okay with that. You know, we're going to play the voicemails. Uh, but once again, RFI 209 30K0. And if for some reason, I'm sorry, 209 RFI 30K0, uh, as well, if you're an international listener or you're listening just for the first time, you can also send us an email to michael at warmer30k.com, ryan at warmer30k.com, or scott at warmer30k.com, 
and we will you can you can actually take your a voice message and uh, record it on your computer or whatever and send us it that way if you don't want to call that number and we will also play that we get a number of individuals that do that as well so but enough of my yammering just had to let y'all understand how that worked out so the first voicemail we start we got is from Sam so let's go ahead it says hey guys a little voice memo for you uh can Ryan predict the future or just the king of his own secret irony? Ooh, it's cryptic. And it's titled Just the Tip. Hi, guys. Sam here. Uh, curious. Did Ryan start Just the Tip on the Forgotten Legion's YouTube channel prior to or after the nipple incident? <laughs> Otherwise, it's a fantastically named thing if he can predict the future or if he's just decided that that's what he's going to call it pre prior to losing the t- tip of his nipple okay thanks guys cheers keep up the good work <laughs> oh good question <laughs> um i lost my nipple a while back i i don't remember the actual date i don't celebrate the birthday of the nipple loss i would um every year or anything pour one out for the homie like <laughs> i think <laughs> sorry homie i don't i don't in my head, there's like a little, like a little grave in your backyard for your nipple. Like that's in my head. That's what nipple. Happening. I should have. I was. I was thinking about the other day, and I should have saved it and just like glued it on my face, like a beauty mark or something. Like <laughs> what is wrong with you? I will say, and I, I think Ryan, I think you actually saved it to the Patreon chat itself, but I, I could be wrong. But uh, Emily actually went through and made out of fondant right fondant is that right is that how it's pronounced here come here babe but she's sitting right here she can explain it put on those headphones so so we're talking about your uh hang on put those on and then you can our cat is tangled up in the headphones okay michael could you hear yes um i could talk michael so so i was explaining to all of our listeners out there uh because I think I think the actual message actually went out to the Patreon supporters and not everybody as a whole. But uh, can you explain what you did to explain the whole nipple situation? Well, I was at work listening to the podcast and Ryan was talking about it and he was explaining that he didn't want to send people <laughs> pictures of his nipples, which I understand because it's kind of gross looking, but. Oh, uh, so anyway, I was at work making stuff and I was like, <laughs> I had, I was working with fondant and I'm like, well, what better way to illustrate? I know exactly what it looks like. I'll just make some little fondant pieces and show people what it looks like. <laughs> did you, did you make a real, like a, a nipple, like a normal nipple and then just take your knife and went, yeah, like this is how it went down or <laughs> I kind of poked a hole. I kind of like poked a hole in it and like deformed it a little bit. <laughs> She's on nuts. It's way worse than that. Hold on. She, she made it. She made, she made a normal nipple, like my normal nipple, and then to illustrate, this is what his right one looks like, and then made the like this is what his left one looks like, and so there was two nipples side by side, so you could see what my normal nipple and what the mutilated one looks like in fondant. So, so all of you, uh, all of you. So anyway, knew- there's there's kind of. There's some behind-the-scenes work on maybe some uh, nipple cookies for an event or something, (laughs) as far as I understand. Fantastic. So good. So good. So for all you you new Heresy White Scars listeners who are coming in for the White Scars episode, 
Uh, Ryan is. <laughs> we just we found out a couple episodes back that Ryan is in fact missing his left nipple, and so that's that's what these voicemails. Well, he's not missing it. It's just it's like a little sheared off. It's like planed. I uh, have an areola with no nipple it's, on it's, the end of it. It's what yeah. Scott. <laughs> It's hampered. You <laughs> yeah, know it's, it's, it's hampered. He's got a yeah. He's he's a he's got a cripple nipple. Not a problem. Doesn't affect the way the cripple nipple. <laughs> Ryan the cripple nipple kibble. That's my fucking like wrestling name. My walkout name for MMA. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the cripple nipple kibble. So so absolutely. So that that's where that voicemail came from. Thank you, Sam. I think that's a uh, Sam from the Emperor's Path, if if I remember correctly. So. Definitely go check out that YouTube channel. Fan fucking tastic. So here we go. We got this next voicemail. This actually came to our voicemail. And the uh the actual like we get it transcribed and it's very like Google transcriptions does not work at all. But all I saw was Obama and Chef Boy RD. So we're gonna find out what's it could be <laughs> it could be anything. Fucking Chef Boy RD, stick it straight up your ass. It's powerful, Vince. Just want to say, uh, I was listening to episode 79 in the morning of Thanksgiving, getting ready to go into work because I was on duty 24 hours. And towards the end of, I was talking to Ryan all day long. It was going fucking great. We were talking about that, that post that blew up. It was like the Horace Heresy rule set heresy that happened and i was just watching you ryan going at it and with that one jackass that was being a complete jabroni to you dudes <laughs> and it's like four o'clock in the morning i go to put the rest of episode 79 on and you guys just called me out again and it was fucking great and i just laughed my ass off and i just want to say can't i'm pumped for the heresy camp i can't wait to get out there and meet you guys and fucking throw some dice Take it easy, guys. <laughs> so that was obviously <laughs> powerful. Viciete. <laughs> powerful. Viciete. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. He must not listen to Fire and the Kid because he, <laughs> he thought we were making fun of his name, and we were just Brian Callen. Whenever they he fucking sees somebody that's got a name like that, he always says it like some stupid fucking accent, and that's all we were doing. It's pretty funny though. <laughs> he says, "Baba boo, baba boo, chef for a dia, powerful visiete." So funny, fucking awesome. Uh, Thank you, Vicente. He needs to come here. We'll get. We'll serve him. We'll, we'll serve him some fucking uh, pizza lasagna. Italian as shit. That is Italian shit. That is like, by the way, that's probably the most uh, Jersey accent I've ever heard in my life. And so, I, like, there's. Oh no! Did I did I tell you about the time I called for fucking? Uh, I called this place in New Jersey for gun parts. Yes, and nice. I get like a dude like that's a fucking uh, Sopranos extra on the phone. Like he's like, "Hey yo," and I'm like, "I'm like, hey man, what's up?" And he's like, "Man, what was I calling about? Fuck, I needed something, and I I can't even remember what part it was." And I was like, uh. I go, man, I need this part. And he's like, ah, oh, man, we don't carry those. But he's like, you need to call this one place. It's like freaking Christmas over there. <laughs> <laughs> like what he said to me. It's like freaking Christmas over there. They got everything <laughs> with these gun parts. Oh, I was like literally like on the phone with the mob <laughs> trying to buy gun parts. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> love it, man. I love it. 
Jersey accent. Man, we got to finally hear powerful <laughs> Vincente's voice. And like it's exactly like I I imagined. It's 100% like I imagined. So good. And I like how he uses the word jabroni. Like there's very few people in this world who use the word, word jabroni. And oddly enough, my local group of friends use it a lot. Like jabroni is thrown around quite a bit. <laughs> so. It's always sunny. <laughs> yeah, it's Mac from It's Always Sunny and your friends. Yeah, so so as soon as like he posted up on that Facebook post, the one about the Horace Heresy edition and all that stuff, and he said like he said like I see you talking shit to this jabroni and I was like, Did he just say jabroni? Like are we friends? Like it's like that one word of vernacular. I was like, <laughs> like alright, cool. I'm game. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Anyway, next message we got here. Hey guys, Iron Hair Will. Um, so you're looking for Black Friday stories. I used to be a manager for a uh, electronics department at Target. Now, this one is a Black Friday story, but I'm also going to give you another one in the same voicemail that uh, was for a system launch. Black Friday, woman wanted something off a riser. Well, one of our uh, HR managers had decided to help out in electronics and was reaching down to help an old woman who couldn't bend over real well to pick something up off the uh, bottom shelf. This uh, woman, uh, this bitch, decided she wanted something off the riser and ended up using Casey as a step stool. Now, the one for the system release is this was uh, a PlayStation 2, 3, Xbox something. I don't remember what the hell it was. But uh, bear in mind, we'd already given coupons for every system we had to the people who were waiting in line. If you had a coupon, you were already guaranteed a system. But... That doesn't change people's mentality. And these people go running back to the electronics department as soon as the doors are unlocked. Well, guy number two starts to outpace guy number one, and guy number one gets pissed off about that, so throws his arm out and fucking clotheslines <laughs> guy number two. Fuck yes. He then does a backflip, landing on his skull, cracking his skull open, and instead of getting a uh, Xbox, PlayStation, whatever, guy number one gets a nice set of matching bracelets and he goes off to jail, and guy number two <laughs> ends up in the hospital. Now, we did end up holding a box for guy number two for two weeks, but he never came back in. So hopefully he lived. Talk to you later, guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can only imagine how, like, fulfilling it would be to clothesline somebody running full speed. Like, it, it's probably, like, one of the things that you just, you're proud of. Merry Christmas and fucking just clothesline them. <laughs> Merry Christmas, fucker. Nice. <laughs> Boosh. Like, and what's funny is he already had the coupon to get the Xbox or whatever. I'm guessing, I'm guessing PlayStation 4. I don't know. Maybe the Wii U. We'll never know. But. I'm, I'm like <laughs> that dude. His competitiveness showed, came out. People are people are shitty whenever they. Uh... Who's that guy from Texas? You guys keep posting videos of named Griff that looks like a fucking Barnum and Bailey from the 1930s. That's they're always interviewing on the news. You keep posting that in the patron chat. I'm so confused. Okay, so let me explain how. Griff <laughs> so. <laughs> So we have this is powerful Griff for starters. If we can, if we so Griff, 
without getting like too crazy into like shedding the entire light on who he is as a person. Uh, Griff is, he's evolved past normal humans. Like he's, he's elevated above us plebs. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like I know, I know it's going to sound weird. I, I tell people this all the time that if I ever like, I will know that like I've evolved and made it to another level when I start acting like Griff. So he's like, if you were to shed off all like thoughts of like what people think about you and like, you know, like completely just disregard them like a hundred percent, like took away all social norms, you know, took away all this and just did whatever drugs you wanted and then like didn't care about the law or anything like that. And somehow, so I come way ahead of the game right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and somehow, in some like unearthly way, God was able to just like you know some some higher being was able to just transmute your life like and it was just able to like guide like everything you did was just extremely lucky and like all you did was like you were floating in this plane of existence with other people. And somehow it was working out for you, and you had a place to live. Did, I don't know if I ever told you. Do you remember? Uh, I told you one of my friends lived in a, uh, a a bathroom for like a good six months. Did I ever tell you all that? No, no, no. Okay, so so we had we had a. <laughs> that's Griff. That that was that was Griff. Griff lived in the bathroom, somebody's bathroom for six months, and they had a they had a bathroom in their downstairs, and the washer and dryer were supposed to be in the downstairs bathroom but they just never put that in so there was just a little hutch in the bathroom and that's where he had like a, a bed and like all of his clothes were and all that stuff and he just lived there and he split he split utilities with everybody he paid for it like this is just how he fucking lived like I don't it's just wild man like just just that's the kind of person we're working with <laughs> man like I a super like what's crazy is <laughs> he He's fucking intelligent. Like he's hyper intelligent. Like he's like he's he'll like immediately snap into intelligence and like tell you something where you're like, what the fuck just came out of his mouth? And then we'll just like shut back off and like, you know, go back to just chilling out and being cool. Like he's 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 super intelligent. And he's just like, I don't know. Like it's 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 definitely some like uh some CIA shit to like the person he is. Like I don't understand how he is or way he is. <laughs> I just know he is. He is one. So that that's Griff. All right. It's it's he's a very cool guy to to be around. He's just absolutely when he's on your good side. I mean, I I've I've heard stories where he's like knocked out bouncers at strip clubs and stuff like that. He's like he's got a dark side to him too. But for this story, he's a very good guy. He's just a normal dude. But anyway, that is Griff, and we, we can he's definitely got a pretty powerful. He's got a pretty pretty powerful 1930s Barnum and Bailey Ringley mustache. That's all that I he, remember from the video. He sure does. He absolutely does. Uh, so anyway, uh, every year for the past, like I want to say, probably seven years, he has been the first person in line at Best Buy uh, for their Black Friday, and this guy usually starts waiting in line like Tuesday or Wednesday, he'll just show up and it's pretty much like a common thing where like, uh, he'll show up and he'll save the spots for like his buddies, like our buddy F- Fabian and JM and all, all them. And my roommate will go out there and hang out with them and all that jazz. 
Uh, but everybody knows that he's going out there to go hang out and be the first in line at Best Buy. So they bring him like food and drinks and all that stuff. And he doesn't buy anything. Like he doesn't actually go to do this to be the first in line to pick out stuff. He goes so that like he can buy stuff for other people that take care of him. And he doesn't like charge anything to do it. Like he just like does it because he enjoys being the first and like enjoys like, like he'll, he likes sleeping outside for multiple days to be first. But like, it looks <laughs> it's like it's, thing. it's his thing, dude. He enjoys it. He's been doing it for like years on end. And every fucking year, our local news station interviews him and like, <laughs> what are you doing out here? And every year he goes, these guys out here, they don't know about these deals. These deals are amazing. <laughs> every, it's, it's still, <laughs> every year he tells them the same thing and like, it's never caught on. So like, I've seen the, the videos like, uh, <laughs> Zach, uh, Zach Delarosa was fucking linking the videos in our chat. So, it's pretty funny. And I think one of them ended up on the RFI <laughs> Facebook too, if I remember right. I don't know. I don't I don't know if it actually made it to the RFI Facebook, but man, dude, like it I don't hold on, let me go to my actual Facebook page and I can let y'all listen to the audio for this interview because I know I saw it on television. Here it is. Listen listen to his response and you can tell the type of person Why he is. I don't know why you're not with y'all's family. He's like, I don't know why y'all aren't out here. Have y'all seen these deals? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so silly. Oh, shit. So, so absolutely, man. I don't, I don't understand like how it's just, it's Black Friday, man. He's, he's his own entity, dude. I always like say that like, if I was ever like, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I envy that man. Like, he's just like, he's just completely elevated past normal society norms, dude. It's, It's pretty cool. And he always, every time I've ever talked to him, he's always thrown something at me where I'm like, holy shit. Is that real? Like, is that a real statistic? And then I go look it up, and I'm like, where the fuck does he, like, where does he get this knowledge from? And, like, he's, he's always just, like, it, it's so it's so funny because he's so intelligent. Like, he's stupid intelligent. When he starts talking, does he pull a Kenny Powers and be like, I'm about to fuck you up with some knowledge, bro? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he doesn't do I that. I don't know if you've seen me. Speaking of that, did you see that uh, uh, I was listening to Samson's review of those uh, Blood and Skulls tracks? And Emily's walking by behind me, and she goes, "Is that the guy from Eastbound and Down talking about Warhammer?" <laughs> um, if you listen to Samson on his audio, he sounds just like fucking Danny McBride. It's pretty funny. He does. He he absolutely does, man. Sounds exactly like Danny McBride. Black Label Painting, powerful David Samson. If you go watch his live videos, he actually did a, a review of the uh, Blood and Skulls Industry tracks here earlier, uh, earlier yesterday. And uh, he does. He sounds exactly like Danny McBride. You would be confused if you saw just his hands because he also has fluid hand movement like Danny McBride does. So He lives his life like Ricky Powers, too. Kenny Powers. You Kenny know. Powers. I, I like <laughs> So, all right. So, yeah, that's the story of Griffin. I just want to be the Stevie Janowski. 
Samson's Kenny Powers. <laughs> we all do. We all do. We all. So we got this. This next story comes in. It's actually it says RFI question, and this comes from powerful Giancarlo. Giancarlo, and uh, we'll go ahead and see what he's got to say. Hi, this is John in El Paso. Listen up, you four. You guys cannot call yourselves a podcast if the four of you don't get together and write at least two FAQs and sing them as a barbershop quartet. Oh, my God. Scott's got the deep voice. I think uh, the other three of you could, could go and probably do different uh, harmonies and whatnot. I don't know anything about fucking music. But, uh, ho, ho, ho. I expect to see by the end of December <laughs> at least two songs slash FAQ questions that you guys sing. Ramos out. <laughs> Ramos out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe, uh, I mean, I, I can, uh, obviously we've already discussed this before that I've been in contact once before with a barbershop quartet in, uh, England, in England who are totally for singing whatever the fuck I put on paper. And so, <laughs> I mean, we could get, some part of the FAQ sung off. Like he's talking about us singing it. I'm just you don't want me singing Jean Carlo. You you do not want me you don't want to hear these pipes, man. I don't, I don't know if I don't know if his penis can get that erect if he hears <laughs> me sing, man. <laughs> his fucking panties just fall you off. Just I'm gonna have to blow the fucking doors off of Jean Carlo's sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> it's already <laughs> Fucking uh, underage pregnancy is too high anyway. We don't want to go ahead. <laughs> hey, John, I hope you brought your wood screws because Scott's about to blow them panties clean off. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that, John. I don't I don't see it happening, but he, he did call us out and did say that we, uh, we couldn't call ourselves a podcast unless we've done that. So I don't know. We can go with webcast. I'm fine with calling ourselves a webcast. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next one comes from Chris. Chris actually sent us three psych stories. So powerful, powerful Chris sends us sends us psych stories, and uh, where he he actually <laughs> works with psychiatric people. Uh, so he sent us three, but we're only going to play one this week because we're crunch for time. We haven't even touched on white scars yet. You fucking suckers. We got you. You're already here. <laughs> like all you people who are coming in here to listen to white scars. You, you got a while to go. Aha, we got your, we got your money. No refunds. <laughs> That's right. So we're going to listen to this first, first story now. And then we got two more that we'll probably play next week. Uh, and so we'll, we'll go ahead and play this first one here. I love these stories, by the way. Hey, fucking cocksniffers. Um, <laughs> cocksniffers. So, <laughs> one of the last podcasts you guys were talking about, like, deer in New Jersey. And there is hunting allowed in New Jersey. And I thought I'd share an interesting fact. 
in the 90s when I was in high school, um, the town that I live in or grew up in um, decided that since there was such an overpopulation of deer, they were going to hire professional snipers to come in <laughs> to kill the deer rather than just have an open deer season and, like, I don't know, fucking encourage hunters to hunt more. Or, like, give them, like, a, you can give them five fucking dollars and they'll probably hunt more. Like, Jesus Christ, it doesn't take much. Um, so they hired professional fucking snipers, and I think they paid them, like, a hundred dollars a deer or some shit. Oh, my God. Like, one of the most retarded things that only some bureaucratic cocksucker in New Jersey would think of. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's about it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Story over. <laughs> Story over. <laughs> hey, Chris, 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 Chris not approved, Chris sir. Ate all the deer, all of himself. <laughs> all of them. What? What'd you say? It sounds like people give on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's mean. <laughs> Man, dude, all I can imagine is like how fucking cool that would be. Like, I feel like that is some bureaucratic shit where your brother-in-law just so happens to be a sniper and he's out of work, and like your wife's like, "Hey, can you get can you get Kyle a job?" <laughs> he's just like, "What? We, yeah, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, we all know like an out of work sniper. I'm just an out of work sniper." <laughs> Which exactly, exactly. <laughs> Remember how? Remember how? Just, how much work ima- snipers imagine, used to have? Imagine it. <laughs> Tom Berger looking motherfucker count dog tags in his fucking apartment with nothing hanging on the wall. I'm just an out of work sniper. <laughs> <laughs> what am I to do? Do you need a professional sniper? <laughs> yeah, an infomercial for a professional sniper. <laughs> it don't matter what you want to kill. Oh. If I can see it in my scope, it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Hundred three oh eight head. <laughs> <laughs> you could actually. Oh no, it's too many, too many. Unless you did like H E D, like you could do like two oh eight H E D S H O T. It's like two oh eight headshot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh man, if you're a professional sniper and your and your uh, phone number isn't your area code headshot, then you're doing it wrong for sure. So, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Just an out of work sniper. All right. <laughs> hey guys, got a voicemail for you. This time a Black Friday one. Sorry that this probably means two voicemails from me in one episode. Hi guys, Sam Sam. Here. Uh, I realize that this is probably the second voicemail that you're going to get from me in the same episode. So I guess I'm just being really fucking greedy. Uh, this is uh, a Black Friday story uh back hold on isn't sam in england like clearly with the with the accent they have black fridays in england they have it all over the world yeah but i thought it wasn't a thing all right cool game on here we go king and go 2006 my family and i went over to florida and we were over never mind (laughs) question answered (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck we well you know black friday in florida this is gonna be good Someone's getting eaten. This has got it. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, this is going to involve some bath salts and fucking eating someone's face. Pretty sure, <laughs> dude. 
Florida's the worst to visit during Black Friday. What are you doing? Uh, all, right. all the out-of-work snipers are there. All right. Get ready. Buckle your seatbelts, boys. Let's see how this went down. Let's see how this shit show unfolded. Oh, God. Whilst uh, Thanksgiving was going on, so we were there for the Black Friday sales, uh, my auntie came over with us and her family, and uh, they'd experienced it before, so we got up at, like, stupid o'clock in the morning, went down there, and I just turned 18, and um, my brother was, I think, 15 at the time, and we were in one of these shops that were selling uh, ridiculous TVs for ridiculous prices and all this sort of stuff. And when we were sort of stood there watching, because at the end of the day, we're not going to take a fucking TV back to the UK because the plug socket won't be the right one, first of all, and getting on the plane will be a nightmare. Um, so my brother and I were just sort of stood outside. I think it was like right outside the, like, the M&M store in the middle of the Florida Mall. And uh, we saw this sort of mum say to her child, oh, can you just look after this trolley uh, with uh, like a TV and some bits and bobs in? And, like, out of nowhere, this guy just walks along, punches this child in the <laughs> face, and then, like, runs off with the cart and then goes and pays for it. The mum comes back and sees the child, like, crying on the floor, turns to us, and is like, did you punch my child? We're like, no, we, no we're just standing here. And uh, she basically, like, called over security... <laughs> And uh, it all got a little bit intense. And then basically, like, they looked at it on the cameras and stuff, and it turns out, obviously, we didn't do it. But it was, like, crazy as shit, because being from the UK, they obviously thought we were just there to try and, like, I don't know, try and win the country back. I don't know what the fuck they were trying to think. But uh, all in all, we got ice cream at the end of the day, and it was a good day. So, so yeah, uh, enjoy that one. Hey, I'm just saying, judge me if you want. I got a hell of a deal that Christmas, and I don't get it. <laughs> I laid that little fucker out. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> going in. <laughs> Black Friday killer be killed. God damn! Could you imagine the psychological repercussions that had against that child? Like <laughs> he's like, because his mom is like for the rest of it, for the rest of his life. Like, somebody says, hey, stay here and watch this. If anyone, like, walks at him quickly, he's fucking just running. It's going to take off. Dude, like, a, a grown man laying me the fuck out as a child. And there's, like, nothing worse that could possibly happen when you're a kid. Just, like, getting laid the fuck out. And what's crazier is, like, being a visitor from the UK, you hear about how, like, you hear about how crazy America is. And, like... You get to go back and spread the story of like how you watched a kid get laid the fuck out on Black Friday for guarding his cart for his mom. Like, Biff. <laughs> like, you little fuck. Like, <laughs> oh, we, br we brought this up in our uh, game club chat since my lovely wife is here and we want to talk about uh, psychopaths here in America. Oh. Would you like to tell... Uh, all of our listeners about you wrestling with a cop in a gravel parking lot trying to punch out a grandma in front of her grandchild oh oh my <laughs> so uh, I'm not a violent person no I know just to that's you know, a... let everyone know that 
The start of this story does not I mean the lead up does not tell me you're not a violent person. I've never fought a grandma. I'm not a violent person. <laughs> she didn't actually fight the grandma because she was busy wrestling with the cop. <laughs> so this lady next door. Uh, so Emily, where her cake shop's at, there's another business next door. And the geniuses next door built a mini barn or another building behind their building and like landlocked their parking lot. So Emily's parking lot is here and their parking lot's beside it, but they can't go out of it because they built another building. So I have to come through Emily's parking lot. Gotcha. So I had parked my car, my car back there. And then we had gotten in Emily's car to go to lunch. And the only other car back there was the mom of the next of the business, the business that's next door to Emily. It was his mother's car was there. It was a white Cadillac. And I have a black Subaru WRX STI. And we leave to go to lunch. We come back and my back bumper has a big dent pushed in it with a white scrape in it. Oh. And it would be right where she would have backed out into it, you know, if she... You need to tell them that they've hit our cars like three times. Before. Yeah, the, this is like the... They'd already hit back into other cars and the telephone pole that's back there before. So, so we, this is like a thing. We know that it happens. Grandma can't handle the big body car. I gotcha. So she can't swing it. Do so. We just call. I just we call over there to the to the receptionist and tell the receptionist. And she's like, "Well, she's not here. She went to the grocery store." But you know, the receptionist was like, "I apologize, whatever." And um, you know, just whatever. So we end up just calling the police to handle it because we'd had run-ins with these people before. So the cop shows up and to do like a police report thing. And <laughs> they obviously call her on the phone to get her back. So she comes flying into the parking lot. Like, cause she's, you know, pissed off that we've called the police on her or whatever. So she comes down this alleyway, like probably doing, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour. There's gravel flying, slings into the parking lot and jumps out and immediately starts screaming. I didn't hit anybody's car. You know, like getting into it with the cop. We walk around and look at her bumper and she's got a big black mark. <laughs> on her bumper. I got a white mark on my bumper, and if you take a tape measure and measure from the ground up to the mark, it's the exact same height on both cars. So this doesn't take CSI to figure out what <laughs> we the don't, fuck happened here. We don't need DNA to determine this. <laughs> so anyway, we kind of argue back and forth about this. So basically the cop just says, no one saw it. It's your word against hers. I, I can't do anything for you because there's no like video evidence, whatever. So they're just like, I'm just going to have to suck it up type of thing. And I was, I was kind of pissed and you know, I was like, well, whatever, man, you know, this and that. And I'm just still kind of arguing and I'm about ready to let it go and go inside lady. She is the grandma. Her grandchild was in the car, but she wasn't like super old. We're talking like the guy who owns the business is like being Emily's age. So this lady's probably in her fifties, maybe. Yeah, she's in her sixties. I like back how, then she's probably. In her, I like how you're explaining how not old this lady is because some shit's about to go down. Like I like how you're like, well, she wasn't a real grandma. You're not. She wasn't super yeah. old. Well, <laughs> she was. I mean, she's definitely grandma. She had her grandchild with her. So anyway, <laughs> this lady says something smartass or whatever. I'm like walking into the place. Okay. Okay. Give me. I'll tell you what happened. Ryan's gonna mess it up now. So anyway, we'd been fighting back and forth because I told her, I'm like, look, this is like 
the second or third time you've done this, you need to just fess up and say that you did it because we all know you did it. So the cop kind of told, like I was getting, it was, it was getting heated. So the cop just said, go stand over there for a little while, you know, let me sort it out. So I'm kind of like standing back behind the car, like with my arms folded with this like really bitchy look on my face. Gotcha. And the Fair. lady turns and looks at me and she goes, what are you looking at, honey? That's what she said. And like something in my brain just like snapped. <laughs> And I was like, I'm going to fucking kill this bitch. <laughs> so I went after her and like tried to choke her. And the cop cop grabs her and they're wrestling in this gravel parking lot. The cop's got the like, you know, the Bates boots of this fucking. He grabbed Emily and she like run by him. Like she was like the edge rusher going around the fucking end of the linebacker or the linebacker going around the end. And he's like the fucking lineman. And he reaches his hands out and like fucking gets her. But she's like got leverage on him. So she's pushing around the cop, and he's got his arm up around her neck, and they're sliding around in the gravel. And I'm like, what is my wife doing? She's going to get arrested. Oh, my so God. I'm screaming, stop! Stop! And I run over there to try to like grab her so the cop doesn't like tase her, tase her, yeah. her to the ground. Or <laughs> so I get her and the cop separated. I grab her and pull her away. And I pointed at her and went, go inside! <laughs> like she was a dog. Because I didn't know what else to say. Because <laughs> I was trying to get her in so she didn't get in trouble. And the cop was like, you better go inside or I'm going to arrest you. If you do, say one more thing. Or whatever. Threatened her. So she, <laughs> she went inside. And I was like, whatever, man. I know this isn't going to go anywhere. And we kind of talked for a little bit more. And then I went inside. And I walked in the office. And Emily was just sitting in the office. Like with this like mad look on her face, like it's kind of like shaken because it was like obviously she realized like the implications of what had happened and things had settled down. And I went in there and looked at her, and we both just started dying laughing. I'm like, "You're fucking crazy!" What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, man. So we joke about that all the time because she'll be like, "Uh, you know, like somebody will be whatever," and I'm like, "Like." I, I don't know. It's just funny because I'll, I'll just I'll never forget that she went after a grandma to fuck her up with a cop present and wrestled <laughs> with the cop trying to get to her in front of a grandchild. <laughs> it's so funny. That's the ultimate like saw red moment. Did you see red Emily? Like I feel like everybody always talks about how like yeah. they had no control over what happened. I I had zero control, and I can tell you like the only reason I know that the cop picked me up and threw me inside the building was because Ryan told me like after I went started to go after her, I remember nothing after that. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to kill her. <laughs> just saw red like the red. It sounds like every family ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, Scott? Sounds like every family reunion <laughs> I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> Somebody's getting laid uh, out. That's wild, dude. That's what whatever happened with that. Nothing happened to that. No. <laughs> oh, it's wild. It's fucking wild. Yeah, they they finally left. They're not next order of business anymore. They went and moved somewhere else. Oh, fucking great loss. <laughs> fucking old ass ladies. Great story. Love it. Glad glad that that got shared because it needed to be. Ugh. All right. And then the last voicemail, and then we got white scars. All right. And this comes. Oh, it's just normal voicemail, so I don't know. Ryan Kimmel. 
Xenos artifact you call the Book of Faces. <laughs> transmission <laughs> so so garrett uh he actually did get mortarian after he called in last week and i told him that he had to say it on facebook he was waiting at uh, nine when it went live and he got it fuck yeah so it's pretty cool <laughs> i'm very glad he got it like <laughs> so him and uh him, him and uh jack ross actually put in for it like like seconds apart but garrett was just a tick quicker um but it was weird because on uh he'd and on Garrett's feed, it showed that Garrett was first. But on Jack's feed, it showed Jack was first. But Jack was, you know, Jack is like one of the nicest dudes ever. Um, he's down there from Kentucky. He's in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, him and Duncan Kendall. And they come up here for all of our events. So they just that's they sorted it out uh, amongst themselves. And uh, Jack was like, ah, oh, it's cool, man. You can have him. And uh, they, I think they exchanged some booze. Meet up at uh, Schaumburg and have some uh, drinks together. So. They did, man. They decided that both of them were going to share each other's booze, which is the absolute yep. way to take everything. Yeah, pretty cool. So we do have more emails, guys. We have a ton more, actually. We have a ton of stories left over, uh, but we are going to have to postpone those emails and stories and save them for next week because we absolutely have to get to this white scars episode for you so this and at the end we have the whole uh david interview about the 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 ferix the the taking of ferix so it's gonna be a long fucking yep. episode so anyway so we will postpone the rest till next week uh craig we got your email uh we got jack's email uh chris we got your other stories uh powerful will we have your additional stories and yeah everybody i just announced we got your stories they're in our they're in our box here and we will make sure that we touch base on those this next coming up episode episode 83 we'll go and get those played but for right now we absolutely have to make it to this white scars part and i love these stories man i could go through these all fucking day so this is just we got it we got it we got to we got to stop somewhere so 
So anyway, the white scars. You ready for this? Yep. Yep. Okay. okay. So if you're just now listening in, you came to the white scars part of the episode, then uh, welcome back. I don't know why you skipped all that other fun stuff, but whatever. You know, here we're going to talk about some white scars. Powerful, powerful, what, fifth legion, right? Fourth legion? Fifth legion. Yeah. Yes. Powerful fifth legion, the white scars. So if you're brand new to Horus Heresy, you don't understand what's going on or anything like that, you've decided for some reason you want to paint white because you haven't figured out, you must be new to wargaming in general because you don't understand how hard white is to paint yet. But uh, this part of the episode is solely here to teach you about the white scars. And by no means are we experts on white scars. By no means are we experts on the fluff behind white scars. Uh, but we do have some good insight on how they should be played, how their special rules work, uh, some war gear that's good for them, some rights of war that's great, and uh, definitely we're going to have some good advice to give you. Uh, definitely uh, definitely, there is some literature out there you can read uh, to, to look into the white scars. Uh, the book Scars is a good starter. Uh, it's one of the Horus Heresy no- novels. Uh, right now, I think we've mentioned it before, we're sponsored by Audible, so if you go to rfibook.com, you can go get the book scars from black library, the audio book for free, have a 30 day free trial and listen to that. It's pretty good. I'm actually listening to it right now. I listened to it for this episode. It's pretty solid. Um, so anyway, let's jump in to this white scar. Path of heaven. is good too. Path of heaven is good. Absolutely. So let's jump into this episode. So I guess I'm going to lead it off. So the white scars, uh, so White Scars, obviously 5th Legion, they come from, well, actually, if you don't understand how the Primarchs were separated, all the Primarchs were separated from the Emperor when he was making them, they were all sent to different planets out there, and Jagatai Khan is the Primarch, who's the Primarch of the White Scars, was sent to the planet Chagoria, okay, so... Chagoras. Chagoras, man, fuck, see, fucked up, straight out the gate. Yeah, Chagoras. God damn it, Michael. <laughs> Jesus. So, so anyway, he was sent to Jacoris, and this is a, what do you call it, a stepped land, like stepped terrain, pretty much is how it is. Yeah, yeah, like, like stepped terrain, so anyone that's like, <laughs> I don't know how rare this demographic is, but anyone who's a geography nerd out there, like, if you're familiar with, like, lower elevation tibet or eastern mongolia it's sort of like that and so the idea behind the uh, the white scars is based a lot on mongolian cult- culture and as far as like uh genghis khan with his fast riders and and fast movers if you were to compare the white scars to anybody that's probably going to be the closest they resemble uh they are pretty dedicated to speed and uh I mean, they're they're tribal based. Uh, uh, I mean, before the emperor actually found Chagatai Khan, he had united all the tribes under his banner and actually let each tribe run themselves uh, as and pretty much with the understanding that he was the ultimate leader and all this stuff, and they could not war against each other. He was the Khan of Khans. Every he, every every like group of people had their war leader they called a con but he was the con of cons and could call upon any of them to rally to his banner yeah and so when you start looking into the different backgrounds and the different fluff 
Um, so obviously the the white scars themselves are going to be a mounted, uh, a, a very dedicated to mounted units as far as like you know bikes or jet bikes or you know even fast moving flyers or things like that. They're a very fast army. Um, as far as the, I guess the way Jagatai Khan is, he's almost exactly as you would imagine what Genghis Khan was like, kind of like leading from the front. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of different tactics to, to hit at his side. Like he's not a Lionel Johnson who knows, you know, who has a number of different, you know, siege armies or things like that, or, uh, understands different, uh, uh, armored columns or anything like that. Uh, he's more of a singular type of army. Uh, if you go back and listen to any of our other episodes for, you know, the Emperor's Children or the Dark Angels, uh, they are real easy to move into any type of army you want to play. Uh, unfortunately, the White Scars are, are more of a, a singular type of army where it's kind of dedicated to to speed and, and, and different types. Uh, is that fair to say, I would imagine? Yeah, and they play, like, uh, they're very... I would say that White Scars, more than any other Legion, have a, a, the maybe the strongest theme, and the strongest theme that's actually traceable or relatable to a real-world thing on Earth that you could do, like, historical study about. Dan Carlin's Wrath of the Khans, or do any history, like, on the Mongols, the White Scars, like, so closely parallel that you could it's literally like taking those guys from real life and just sticking them in power armor in space absolutely and i don't think you can really say you can't really say that about any other legion no no absolutely not just because the other legions they rely so much on science fiction aesthetic that doesn't exist yet whereas you know there's a lot of things like you know armored columns and mass warfare whereas you could directly relate the mongols to the white scars and the way they're mounted up, uh, a lot of the the lot of the uh, Mongols kind of um, unit coherency and like how they are broken up into tribes directly is reflected with the white scars uh, inside the white scars. The even after the emperor found them, even after the emperor uh, gave him his legionnaires, gave him everything, everybody from his legion, uh, they still maintain inside the actual white scars legion they still maintain tribes and they still maintain cons even within the white scars legion so it was already diversified out from just jagatai khan running all these different tribes and, and trying to 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 work them all himself which is you know you could you could imagine other other uh um other legions work it off of companies. He works on different tribes within his, uh, within his, his sect, legion. I guess. his legion. Yeah. yeah. So as far as, uh, the way they play, I mean, it, it's pretty straightforward. I, I wish there was more that we could go into, uh, but it's, it's definitely very straightforward on how they play. Like I said, they are a fast army. They are a quick legion. Um, just fluff wise, you know, just going into scars and little things like that. Um, I think it's kind of cool. All the, uh, uh, any, all the Chagorians like inside the white scars Legion, they don't speak Terran. They all speak Chagorian or whatever it's called. Chagoras. Like they, 
you have to learn that whenever you actually go to the White Scars Legion. Uh, they actually pull individuals, and the Emperor forced his uh, forced them to recruit from Terra, and the, all of those Terrans that went to Chagoras unfortunately had to learn how to speak Chagoras. And they had like ten years to learn how to to figure it out and speak it, which is good for them. Like uh, good for them because they can actually. Um, they can learn faster and they can, uh, because of their enhancements, their gene enhancements, but they have their own language that they have to speak, which doesn't come up too often, but it's the only, uh, space Marine Legion that has that, which is pretty fucking cool. Like Fenrisian speak Fenris and stuff like that, but they also can speak Terran, but Chagoras force you to learn or white scars force you to learn to Chagorin before you can even get in there. And then they actually change your name 10 years. Once you're in the Legion, they make you change your names and they actually get you, uh, issued into a tribe and they give you your weapon, which is pretty wild. Yep. So, pretty neat. So Ryan, you were mentioning before the actual episode, there was a issue with, uh, actual, I guess, logistics of goods and stuff like that, because all of the, well, they're like, a, as a legion, they're very separated because like you were saying, they're all split into like these different, like all the different, what you would consider, I guess, chapters or like tribes or whatever that have yeah. all their own cons. They all kind of like do their own thing. They're all under the leadership of Jagged Icon, but he gives them a lot of autonomy to run around and do kind of what they want to do. So a lot of the story in the books is told through the eyes of this uh, female general that's a character she gets assigned as like a logistics person to the White Scars Legion. And she basically has to have to sit down with the con because she can't <laughs> keep track of any of the logistics because they're all like so spread out, don't really communicate well. They're kind of like wild, fly by the seat of your pants type of dudes. And they're they're all like kind of doing their own thing and not talking to each other that it's a logistics nightmare for her to do her job and actually get them resupplied. Absolutely. And another thing to to consider on this one as well, and just another little like fluff insight. So when the heresy broke out, uh, nobody could get a hold of Jagatai, uh, just because he was basically separated by the warp uh, from the emperor's. Um, what are they called? Their. Oh my goodness! I can't believe I can't remember this. Crusade fleet. Yeah. So so his crusade fleet. They couldn't contact it, and so unfortunately for the astropath, is that what yeah, you're astropath? To that's what I was trying to think. Yeah, so the astropaths couldn't get a hold of Jagatai, and so during the the Horus Heresy, whenever everybody was finding about you know about Horus post Istvan everything, nobody could get a hold of Jagatai because he was behind this like warp wall, and so they were trying to figure out, you know, like which side is he on, you know, and who, who were his closest brothers. And unfortunately for Jagatai, his closest brothers were Magnus and Horus. And so whenever it came down to them, assuming his loyalties, uh, naturally when your, your, your favorite brothers are the ones who turn, they just had naturally assumed that, uh, that Jagatai Khan had fallen, against the emperor's grace and so well also he didn't get along well with the emperor he didn't really believe in the idea of the great crusade and creating this big empire because he thinks forming a big empire makes you weak of a just disagreement kind of butting heads with the emperor and the reason he was like so far out on the edge of the galaxy doing his own thing couldn't be contacted is because he kind of separated himself almost from the great crusade and just kind of went off and did his own thing 
because he was so independent minded. Absolutely. And he, he mentions quite a bit, it, just talking about the con himself. And this comes directly from scars. Um, the, the con himself is actually like a, like one of the cooler primarchs you could ever read about as far as like hanging out and all this stuff. And he's, you, you think when you think Genghis Khan, if you haven't actually listened to Dan Carlin or anything like that, or actually did any research on the Mongols, you think probably Genghis Khan, you probably imagine he's probably this like savage or anything like that. When you think about the Mongols, you think about them being savages and just like Viking-esque, like just, just completely pillagers. Uh, but in reality, they aren't savages. They're, they're actually extremely, um, organized uh jagatai khan himself is is extremely witty witty uh he's he's intelligent uh he's very good it's very good in his tactics and things like that um they've mentioned that he's probably the like all everybody in his legion of course say that he's the best you know sword master out there um that he you know he's not as savage as russ and he's not as you know uh, keen as like sanguineous but he is they believe that he's the number one fighter out there is how they they picture it um they think he's the most skilled swordsman yeah skill the most skilled swordsman um and and just listening to the way he converse like he, he communicates with his legion uh it's very reminiscent of russ the way he trusts his uh his direct cons under him his different little tribal leaders that are, are directly under him. He once he assigns you a tribe, he he uh, trusts you a hundred percent. He he doesn't tr- unfortunately he doesn't trust Terrans too much, and so he really only recruits from worlds that are f- familiar and similar to Chigoris. Uh, but he uh, he he he's definitely you know he once you're in his tribe he trusts you 100 percent. it's it's one of the better primarchs you'd probably want to be in the legion with i would imagine just because he's gonna he's gonna take care of you and, and find always have your best interest at it in hand um but like i said some of the some of the interactions you see with him are in the book scars and you can see how he not only interacts with his own legions but he actually also uh interacts with just normal astropaths and things like that and you know these militia generals and he treats them just like you know their their people. It's it's a very weird thing to see a primarch, especially when you're you know reading into books about you know uh, Lionel Johnson or Perturabo or things like that, where they they obviously see people below them because they came from more of a uh, uh, like a, a royal a royalist side of things, where they are obviously higher tier and higher higher level than than the people below them and. Definitely, Jagatai Khan doesn't see those boundaries. He he will talk to you like you're a brother if you're fighting for him or fighting alongside of him. It's one of my. He's a he's a very cool primer to to read into like that. Just very like I said, very reminiscent of Lehman Russ. So, uh, and it's it's one of those things, man. Like the book Scars and Pathway to Heaven. Those are those are books I think that don't show up on a lot of people's radars because they are so very Legion specific. So if you're not really a White Scars fan, you won't dig into them a whole lot and you know understand them. But they are very very quality books, and the the like authorship of those writers and the way they tell that story is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, looking into Jagatai himself, it really. It's not like any other Primark. When you're like, in the case of me, like I listen to the audiobook, 
and I hear, you know, them talking. And to my mind, I was like, who's that talking right now? Is that Jagatai? And you're like, man, I thought that was just like a normal fucking dude in the book. Like, no, he's just conversating with, you know, this general, like nothing. Like she's, and when you listen to other Primarchs or anything like that, you know, they're usually shouting orders or like you listen to like a Rogel Dorn or something like that or a Guillemin, you know, they're not, they're, they're not friendly. They're not nice. It's more of a military general versus Jagatai where it's like a, a, a con, like, you know, a chief talking to his tribe. Like, it's wild. Yeah, it's a very, I would say, a very human. He doesn't seem quite as detached from human interaction as the rest of them do. Like, the rest of them, it seems like it's so laborious for them to talk or associate with regular people. Not so much with that guy. Yeah, super charismatic. Um Always thinking about the now and appreciating the now versus always, you know, versus thinking about the future and what he's going to be planning out. Uh, that's definitely, and like Ryan was saying earlier, you know, he believes, he doesn't believe in the Imperium. He doesn't believe in uh, taking everything over. He actually says in the book Scars that if you look at every single empire they've toppled at the center of the empire, there is a fat man sitting in a throne because he's conquered everything he can be. And when you finally conquer everything you want, all you become is fat. And uh, they actually say, like, well, Primark, I don't think you could become fat because of his metabolism and everything. And he says, well, I could become fat in the mind. And that's what scares me the most was being fat in the mind. And so it's, uh, he definitely definitely understands where he stands on the uh, on the the Empire. So. Well, and once again, if you listen to Wrath of the Cons by Dan Carlin, that pretty much parallels how the um, actual Mongols thought. Yeah. They're just like, they're like the classic, like, if you were to mix a Mongol with like a, a motorcycle gang, like that's exactly what you get. Like you just get these bikers who just want to be free <laughs> and like you just do what they want. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Basic unit composition as far as the army goes. Uh, so obviously we talked about, you know, you're going to see a lot of outriders, jet bike squadrons, land speeders, anything with very fast speed, hard hitting things. That's generally going to be the way that their uh, unit composition is. Uh, as well as seekers are very prevalent in the white scars as well. They actually have a, a storm seers. Uh, that's the way that they have moved their librarius into their into their army uh they and by storm seers they do manipulate the weather that is something that they're very very known for as far as manipulation of weather and they're big um, into div they're big into divination as well and they were one of the like trifecta legions that helped create the librarius so it was the white scars the thousand suns and the blood angels that really pushed forward the uh everybody having librarians and the legions and all that and that's why the Khan, Sanguinius, and Magnus all like each other, because they were they were all of the same mind on creating the Librarius. Absolutely. Uh, from from the book Scars, from what I took from it, uh, it looks like the Khan was not aware of the Edict of Nikea as of yet. It looks like he never got that information uh, during the time of Scars, which was post Istvan already. Uh, and it looked like the guy who was supposed to give it to him was waiting to be called back to let him know that unfortunately all of his storm seers were 
not supposed to be happening. So I don't think he ever got the Edict of Nikea. Uh, however, Magnus uh, was very... Um, they wanted to work together as far as with with his... Because the Khan didn't actually get to go to Nikea to actually go discuss it or anything like that. He sent one... Of, like, this is how much he trusted his men. He sent one of his, like, lesser Khans to go... His right-hand man, he sent him to go to Nikea to go fight their case. And unfortunately, he never got to deliver the bad news uh, until the horse heresy had already happened. And it looks like uh, uh, Magnus and this Khan were discussing, like, hey, man, we need to have a little discussion about this. And he never got to have that discussion. So, but Stormseer is absolutely a thing in the uh, in the Legion itself. So, uh, want to talk about dreadnoughts? Should we talk about dreadnoughts for these people trying to build their armies and they're going to get a contemptor? Yeah, uh, White Scars do not use dreadnoughts. There is no recorded record of them using dreadnoughts. They abhor the thought of ever being put into a dreadnought. Yeah. I don't know how how true it is or how too canon it is, but in the uh, White Scar in the Scars book, they actually make mention uh, one of the. It actually comes from a son of Horus, so there's no way to be to validate it. But they do believe that the uh, White Scars actually burn their bodies, and so you know, and of course they abhor being in a dreadnought. So uh, if you're building a White Scars Legion, uh, just go ahead and trade off that dreadnought to somebody because. I mean, you want to be you want to be <laughs> not very fluffy, correct? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I don't know, man. That's pretty much all I got for fluff. Unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of fluff for this. Um, it's they maybe well, they probably, I mean, they probably right. of all the legions have the least the least fluff. Absolutely. And probably, and and just for you out there, if you're just trying to decide whether or not you want to play White Scars and you base the idea on whether or not, you know, hey, I wonder how many people play White Scars. Is this a legion that nobody else plays and all that stuff? This is probably, I think, in our in our surveys that we handed out, it was one of the, like, bottom five legions played right now. I think it was actually number three, third from the bottom uh, with... The only other which is insane without rules at the time. When we get to rules, we'll come to understand why that's kind of like a crime because they are very, very, very good. They're very fucking good. Yep. So, I guess with that, I mean, we can go ahead and get into special rules at this point. I mean, we're pretty much done with fluff, anything like that. I'm sure that you're listening out there. There's people that are. Uh, white scars fanatics who are yelling into their phone right now about how wrong we were with some of the fluff and all that stuff. But I mean, it's just it, man. It's just a little teaser, yeah. a little taste. And it, in, four, in 14 years, when book uh, nine comes out, podcast will revisit this <laughs> uh, section and do their uh, units and special characters and stuff. Clean our, yeah, clean our fuck ups up. <laughs> clean clean this up a little better so uh so to kick this off guys if you are looking to get the white scars rules themselves uh you will not find them in the legion books you're actually going to find this in book six retribution is where the rules are tucked away in so which is so book six you go ahead and pull up your book six retribution the f- yeah so we're going to go ahead and 
go over. Right now, they do not have any special units, but I would imagine if they did, they would have some sort of, you know, bike-mounted infantry or anything like that, probably something similar to, like, uh, uh, what the what the Ravenwing would have. Unfortunately, they don't have one either. Um, but they would have some sort of mounted mounted unit, uh, I would imagine. But it's going to be on page 262 of the Retribution book. All right, Scott, why don't you uh, get us get us kicked off with these? All right, so a little little overview of the Legionis Astartes White Scars rules and the paragraph it entails. Following that, on page two sixty two of the Retribution book, the Space Marines of the Emperor's Legions are genetically engineered, psycho indoctrinated warriors, and superhuman abilities, minds, and souls tempered for war. In addition. Each individual legion has its own idiosyncrasy. So blah, 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 blah. That's basically what it says at the beginning of each Legionis Astartes entry. Here's the wise specifics, though. Of lightning in clear skies, a sudden gale of unexpected quarter. The white scars are war's sudden and merciless onslaught. Swift action for the rush of combat and clash of blades are the hallmarks of their battles quiet and hidden wisdom that few took the time to uncover. The white scars thrive in a chaotic heart of battle. It's who all right. Vicissitudes. <laughs> yeah. Go with that. Viscitudes. Visabundus. Okay. Is this a fucking ID planet for me to make me sound stupid? Because it works, sir. All right. Viscitudes and flowing with them. Always to be found where the foe is weakest, where they were least expected, in leaving only cold corpses in their wake. They were the Great Crusade's Pathfinders, the bleak wind that ran ahead of its serried armies, culling the weak and harrying the strong, that they might fall more easily to those that followed. There were many victories claimed by the Great Crusade, that would not have been possible without the deep predations caused by these warriors. Boom. Beautiful. Beautiful. White scars. So if you're still awake out there, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, <laughs> this, how, 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 what am I going to do with this now? So anyway, all models and units with the white scar special rule are subject to the following provisions. So, uh, first off, they have Legion Star Days, which all Space Marines do, which means units with a special rule may always attempt to regroup at their normal leadership value, regardless of casualties. Uh, it's a lot different than the Shall Know No Fear from 40K if you're coming over here uh, or if you're coming back into it. So it, it is something different. Still good, though. Uh, White Scars specifically have Swift Action, which means on any turn in which a unit with a special rule ends its movement phase at least 6 inches or 12 inches if the unit is a vehicle or has the bike or jet bike type, from the point when it began the phase, in the movement phase, and assault phase, it gains the following benefits until the beginning of its controlling player's next turn. It lets, it, it lets him re-roll fail-to-wound rolls of a 1 with all attacks, and it lets him gain a cover save of 6 plus or improve an existing cover save by plus 1 to a maximum of 3 plus. Uh, so this is very useful if you're going to be mounted on any sort of bike or jet bike because you are allotted to jink. And so if you're hauling ass up the board, getting that plus one cover save to your jink roll is pretty fucking good. Or existing cover save is is pretty pretty solid. You know, if you're 
You know? Doesn't suck. The only thing is, it's harder to get than you you would think, um, because you have to move your essentially maximum movement, and yep. it doesn't just mean like, oh, yeah, I move my maximum movement. You literally have to pick up you from your starting point, end your thing. You have to measure from where you started to where you ended in a direct line, and it has to be the value printed in here. So sometimes, like, if, say you wanted to assault a unit, just because they're closer than 12 inches, you're not actually going to be able to move that distance. Or there may be terrain in the way, or line of sight blocking terrain, or maybe the edges of the board, or enemy models, or whatever. So it's a little harder to get this than you would think. Right. I get it, because you're moving that radius of 12 inches if you're on a bike, so it makes sense, 100%. So you're not always, and especially if you're playing against them, keep yeah. an eye on that because if you cover ground faster than they can, it does help you. Especially if you're fighting against like a deep striking army or something like that, uh, it is really quick for them to cover that ground with you quicker to deny you that swift action special rule. So, well, what I, I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah. So like, if they have bikes, you could just deep, you can drop pot in and just be one inch away from them. And then what are they going to do? They're going to move 11 inches away from you? Nope. And then, and then turn around and try to that assault 10 inch to get charge. the benefit. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's drive you, past you, you and it's, hope they it's run kind of a weird. The bold move, Cotton. We'll see how it pays off. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next special rule that the White Scars get specifically is the Eye of the Storm special rule, which means they are it's renowned for their ability to arrive unannounced and unexpected. The White Scars use their mobility to dictate the flow of any battle in which they fight. An army whose warlord has a Legion Star's White Scar special rule may add plus one to the result when rolling to determine which side will take the first turn in a mission or to seize the initiative, as well as a first reserves roll on each side. So, of each side. Uh, so, that's super beneficial. Something definitely not to overlook as far as when it comes to uh, uh, choosing which side you're taking on the, the table and things like that. Um, and on the first reserve rolls, adding that plus one is pretty fucking nice yeah because you can pick your you know whatever like if you have a suborbital wing or something like that that you really want to get in that comprises of multiple things or your big unit or whatever that you have in reserve so yeah reserve manipulation is huge especially if you're coming in to horse heresy for the first time and you're looking at having anything come in from reserve reserve manipulation is very massive because you do want to utilize the full amount of point. You do want to utilize whatever oh. unit you have in reserve. Oh, I did want to point out it's kind of the swift action thing that we just went over before this. It's worded kind of weird because it mentions if the unit is a vehicle uh, or a bike of jet bike of any type, it has to move 12 inches. What's weird about that is this is all part of the Legion of Stardis white scar rule. Read, it says Legion of Stardis White Scar, and then it says all models and units with this special rule are subject to the following provisions. Right. There aren't any vehicles that actually have Legion of Stardis, so I don't know why they mentioned vehicle. I don't know. Because <laughs> there were there were a couple guys that got confused by that at some events I've been to that were trying to claim that on Predators, uh, like Fast Predators in a uh, Armored Breakthrough list or something like that. And I'm like, well, these guys don't have, Predators don't have Legion of Stardis. They roll ones to wound on their predator cannon or whatever. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that, man. So You just got to yeah. look at them and be like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I just want to point that out because some people like it, it's worded in a way that's pretty confusing. To be honest, it probably needs a little bit of cleaned up. I guess. definitely need it's something to clean up. Thing. You have to read. Man, that would be. Oh yeah, it's only rolls to wound. <laughs> that's shitty. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, so. So the next rule to laugh in death's face. An army whose primary detachment has legion started as white scars special rule must take a fast attack choice before taking any heavy support choices. This special rule does not apply when playing Zone Mortalis missions. So always have a fast attack choice. Really, I can't imagine you playing white scars and not automatically taking a fast attack choice. But uh, if you're looking to f- max out your heavy support choices, it looks like you also have to uh, take. Well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't have anything to do with maxing it out. It just says you have to have a fast attack before taking any heavy. So okay, you could take yeah. one fast and three heavies if you want. But if you have no fast attack, you can't take any heavies. So you now have to always have at that, least one then... fast attack. <laughs> yeah, if you're uh, if you're there, then if <laughs> if you're taking all heavy support and no fast attack and you're probably playing the wrong legion. Uh, so that's an easy one to fulfill. Yeah, really, really the, I'd say, I'd say the biggest, uh, the two that are probably fluffy for heavy support for these guys, which would be like Sakaran tanks because they're fast tank. Yep. Would, would be pretty fluffy. And, um, obviously jets like a fire Raptor or any of the, uh, jets that are also heavy. And then, um, just standard like uh, heavy support dudes, dudes on foot with heavy weapons. Because if you read a lot of the stories and stuff, a lot of the Terran guys uh, use that way. And because they're like man portable heavy weapons, they can load up in uh, rhinos or fast transports or whatever and move around really fast and then get out and set up a firing line with those man portable weapons. They like that Absolutely. a lot. 100%. And they also have the rule born in the saddle, which is a very important one. So all models of Legion of Stars, White Scar special rule have the skilled rider special rule. So, yep, this is another one that's it's kind of weird because skilled rider makes you ignore dangerous terrain and you always add plus one to your jinx. Um, I guess it's not that weird because like if if you read swift action, it says you gain a cover save of a six plus or increase an existing cover save to a maximum of three plus. So why that's good is so if you moved your full twelve inches, but also somehow managed to get behind ruins your cover save for the ruins would be four plus and then it would add plus one to go to a three up and you wouldn't have to jink because if you jink with white scars, you're going to a three up anyway. So then you don't ever, you're never going to benefit from swift action if you're jinking. So the thing with swift action is it allows you to get a high cover save without actually having to jink. But if you do need to jink, you can fall back on the skilled rider and have a three up jink save Four things with Legion Astartes. So, so yeah, so you're always getting the plus one to your jink if you decide to ever jink for some reason. Yeah. But the to a maximum of a three plus on the swift action or you would have white scars running around right. with a two up jink safe. All the time. Yeah, don't need that. that business going on. So just looking at those special rules, guys, you can already tell that the army itself is tiered towards fast moving jet bikes bikes and everything like that uh, and if you've looked at white scars it's pretty obvious if you look at anybody who's doing a 
a work in progress or some sort of blog about white scars, if you're doing any research before even coming to this podcast, you probably realize that they do rely heavily on bikes. And that is going to be something uh, that is reminiscent of the Mongols, like we talked about, being being riders. Um, so that is something that is obviously a key part to this army and their all of their rules and their rights of war do actually have a lot to a uh, lot to cover in that as well. So, um, but just moving forward, moving forward into their actual war gear, what kind of special type of war gear they got. Um, so the first thing that shows up is the power glaive. Uh, so any character with the Legion start is white scar special role with access to a power weapon as an option may instead take a power glaive for 15 points. And so the power glaive is a plus one strength of the user and it's AP three and AP two, uh, a yep. weapon with this read type. Vers- read, yeah. read, vers- yeah. read versatile yeah. first and then read the profile. Yeah. Okay. So a weapon with this type uses the strength and AP before the slash in its profile. If wielded in one hand alongside another item of war gear and the strength and AP after the slash, if used as though it had the two handed special rule. So, it could either be used, you know, one-handed, two-handed. If it's used with both hands, a two hands, a two-handed weapon, it's getting plus one strength and it's AP two. If it's as a one-handed weapon, then it's normal strength with AP three. So, so it's either a power sword or a, a at initiative power axe that's two-handed, which is fucking brutal. Yes. So the yes, craziest thing, the craziest thing about this is. It says anybody with access to a power weapon can have this for 15 points. So it's not that you have to buy the power weapon and then and then pay this on top of it. It's if you have access to it, it's 15 points. Then you you don't have to buy the power weapon. You just take this instead. Getting five more points than you would for a power weapon, and you're getting uh, essentially a two-handed ad initiative power axe. And use it. Out it is it's any character, not independent character, just character. So that's your sergeant. That means every sergeant in your... Yeah, yeah. Any any sergeant or anything like that that has the character rule can take one of these. So, kind of put this thing above the Legatine Axe and the Blade of Salty Tears. On a one-to-one power level, those other weapons are better. Put this on every sergeant it's very much kind of like it's a better. It's kind of like the Death Shroud Power Scythe, where because you can literally put it on every sergeant. It, it, I think it takes it. It's it's better than those other weapons, even though other people complain about those other weapons more, solely because you can fit more of them in an army and it has a bigger impact on the game than one guy running around with a, a better version. If that makes any sense, yeah, hundred percent. Like it, it definitely it's it's a very solid choice. Uh, it's also a very mean, mean piece of war gear. And the fact that you can pretty much stick it on in every single unit out there, it's going to strike first before a lot of other cool things, which are also AP2. And I don't know, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal the amount of places you can stick that sucker. So nice yeah. piece of war gear for the White Scars there. So, next up, as far as special war gear, they get the Cyberhawk. This is represented by a small token or model, which is placed by the owning player at the beginning of their turn. 
These tokens can be placed anywhere on the table. It may physically sit and may be moved elsewhere at the beginning of each of its own player's turn. Any unit with the infantry type infantry type and the Legion Star's White Scar special rule that is firing upon an enemy unit that has at least one model within six inches of the token may re-roll fail to hit rolls of a one. Any such unit assaulting such an enemy may re-roll the dice to determine the charge range. Uh, as well, the counter representing the Cyberhawk plays no other role in the game and may not be attacked or attack or block line of sight. Any Legion Praetor model with the Legion Star as White Scar Special Rule may take a single Cyberhawk for plus 10 points. So, um, If you have a Praetor in your army, there's no reason you shouldn't take this thing. It's a very strong upgrade for 10 points. Like You should pretty much always take it if you have a White Scar Praetor. And how are you using that sucker? I guess with I think the the thing that this works best with is plasma, because you on a roll of one you get hot and take a wound and you know whatever. Um, but with this particular uh, upgrade, you're always rerolling rolls of a one. It's also pretty funny with a Moritat. Oh yeah, that's very Ooh, powerful goodness. with Moritat. Really ridiculous before they fix the Morantat. Um, yeah, but it, it's it's still you know pretty strong. You're almost always going to get max shots with that guy, um, with whatever weapons you stick on him. Uh, and the reroll charge range is also you know extremely good with all your bikes, jet bikes, whatever. If you're using a more for an assault roll, especially like outriders, uh, with a bunch of melt bombs or something like that, uh, it's it's pretty good. And if you notice, it says. Well, they uh, re-roll to hit any. Let's see, infantry. Yeah, any, any unit with the infantry, infantry type. type yeah. Fire on an enemy unit which has at least one model within six inches. Any such unit assaulting. Okay, it's kind of weird because it's like split up. Like they mentioned infantry two sentences before the assault thing. Yeah. So is it still applying? We don't know. I guess it is. <laughs> So, it says but, yeah, such, I, I guess which kind of throws it off, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it is just infantry, I guess. But yeah, so plasma on uh, infantry would be pretty good. Anything uh, else? It could be good, like if you took uh, like a heavy support squad on foot, like we were talking about, and you had somebody with like a cognosignum to increase them to BS five, or seekers that already have BS five. So they're only missing on ones, and this allows them to reroll. Mm. So like seekers with a, yeah. So like seekers with a bunch of combi, cos, uh, combi plasmas would be pretty funny. Ouch! Definitely a powerful unit. Definitely a powerful combo. Um, very cool. Very cool. And then on top of that, I, I don't seekers have something special where they can pick a unit and they get preferred enemy or something like that out of it. It's That's the death I'm... marked thing or what yeah. marked for death. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a cyberhawk, very cool unit, uh, and very neat. <clears throat> so that's all they have. That's all they have for special rules, and that's all they have for war gear. Pretty quick on that one. So, yep. Anything else y'all want to add before we? <laughs> move on to the rights of war um no not really um 
Oh, there is one thing that could probably be FAQ'd. I've seen people get in like minor disagreements about this before. If you read the power glaive, it says any character with access to a power weapon as an option uh, may instead take a power glaive for 15 points. Like, there's a few things that, like a, an apothecary off the top of my head, only has access to a power sword specifically. Yeah. And some people try to say that because it says power sword, not power weapon, you can't take a glaive. I mean, I don't, I think that that's kind of silly. I think a power sword is still a power weapon. Like if you read power weapon, a power sword is a sub, you know, piece of item underneath that. Like I, I think if you wanted to put a power glaive on your apothecary, you should be able to, but that's just me. And I'm not even a white scar player, but I think you should. But if you're Boom. one of those people that want to 100% play within the rules and always like eliminate any doubt, then maybe don't, <laughs> but that's up to you. If you're people, one of those people, people out there with no friends and no <laughs> I don't think most people you most people wouldn't pick up on it anyway and wouldn't know any better if you were doing it. So Well, all right. So let's get into the specific rights of war that they have. Uh first things first is going to be the unique right of war called the Chigorian Brotherhood favored by the Chigorian recruits of the 5th Legion as the ideal organization of a fighting body of troops. The Brotherhood was also employed by many of the Legion Terran recruits, composed of a body of Legionnaires mounted entirely on fleets of war bikes and scimitar jet bikes or in any transport vehicle. These formations were ideal for carrying campaigns or lightning strike warfare. When faced with a dug-in foe, some elements of the Brotherhood would dismount and fight on foot, moving to encircle the foe and support their brethren. So, the effects of this ride of war, they have the ride like the wind rule, which means sky hunter and outrider squads count as troop choices for and scoring units. So, I don't, I don't know why they had to put the and scoring, but so sky hunter and outrider squads counting as troops is pretty powerful, uh, especially if you want to play a all mounted army, you can run them as uh as troop choice. Oh, I guess I guess that means that if you take a Sky Hunter squad in your heavy support or anything like that, or you take a Sky Hunter squad in your fast attack, then it also counts as scoring in your fast attack. Well, okay, that makes sense. Sky different different uh different unit. Sky Slayer. Yeah, Sky Slayers are heavy sport, not Sky Hunters. Oh. So if you take outriders, I think as they not say troops. I think they say and scoring units because there are certain FOCs like the Raider Force Org chart for the Raider missions where your elites are scoring, not your troops. So uh, if you played this right of war with a Raider in a Raider mission, you're that even though your troops don't score in that particular FOC, they would still score with this right of war because it says scoring unit, even though they're troops. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, so that's why they put that. So. Ride like the wind. So obviously you're picking this ride of war if you have a shitload of uh, uh, Space Marine, Outrider squads, or Sky Hunters. Um, then they have the Lightning Strike effect, which means built around the core of the Mounted Space Marines, the Brotherhoods of the White Scars use each troop as dedicated shock troops, while the slower element of the Brotherhood encircled the enemy and took up positions to support the breaches opened by their brethren. As a result, certain types of units gain the additional special rules noted below. All, model, all models with the bike or jet bike rule gain the hit-and-run special rule. Any infantry unit that does not begin play aboard a vehicle with a transport type or in any vehicle with more than three hole points that does not have the fast type 
fast type must begin playing reserve if the mission allows it. So that kind of like shows that this is an element way of way ahead of the rest of the force coming in. And so you got to yeah. hold them off in reserve. That's super fucking cool. Uh, any infantry unit which in which there are no models equipped with heavy salvo or ordnance weapons gains the hit and run and outflank special rule. So that's very powerful because you can just walk on the side of the board like you're encircling the prey. Any unit with the infantry type that contains one or more models armed with a weapon with the heavy salvo or ordnance type gains the outflank special rule. So they don't get hit and run, but they get outflank, which is very fucking cool. Which will come in handy with that cyber. And then because, or... yeah, and then because the unit itself is gaining outflank, it means any dedicated transport that any of these guys take will also gain outflank if it's dedicated. Ba ba boom. The limitations for this route of war: the army's warlord must be mounted on either a Space Marine bike or a Scimitar jet bike. All compulsory troop choices must be either Sky Hunter or Outrider units. So that means your two troop choices that you have to take need to be Sky Hunter Outriders. The army may not have more heavy support choices than fast attack choices. So, yep. So you can only ever have a maximum of two heavy support because even if you maxed out your heavies at three, you can still only take two because you have to have more. Oh no, 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 no! Never mind. I lied. It says you. An army may not have more heavy support than fast, so it just has to be equal. Yeah. In order to get all three heavy, you have to take all three fast first. Yes, sir. Which is difficult if you really think about it because of you know, you're filling out your fast attack choice. Nah, I guess not that difficult, especially if you're taking bikes. Nah, you can put lightnings bikes. in there, attack bikes in there, or javelins in there. It's not like any of that shit's bad. Let, let's say that you fill. Okay, so so like I was saying earlier, so let's let's say you took out like let's say you took four outrider squads. Two okay. of them as troop and two of them as fast attack. Then your fast attack outrider squads would also be scoring, correct? Because of that, sky hunter and count as troops and scoring units. So even your fast attack outriders would still be scoring, which will let you take that. I guess. Yeah. So so um, if you we're kind of weird. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Maybe they they put that wording like that anyway. Because it says they count as they count as troops and scoring units, so it makes it sound like they have to have both at once. Gotcha. Squads. Hmm. Okay, that's fine. Just take it. Just take attack bikes, lightnings, or javelins. Like, yeah, just fill out your fill out your fast attack choice. Hit those. Like, uh, <laughs> or land speeders, or normal land speeders. Like any of that shit's good. Like we said, Seekers are good too, and the funny thing about Seekers is they can take dedicated Land Raiders, and then that Land Raider gains outflank. Mm. Perfect. Very fun. So this is pretty much the standard, what you're seeing in the traps right now. Anybody who's playing White Scars is going to be either playing this one or the other Jet Bike Ride of War, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But this is a pretty common Ride of War that you're going to see taken uh right now a couple episodes back we did a white scars list and we actually used the second right of war this uh sagir mizon and it's the only ever it's the it's the only time i've ever written that right of war we've written a, wrote a list wrote, for this right of war one has funny story but <laughs> <laughs> so 
The next Legion-specific ride of war is called the Sagar Mazan, and this is actually White Scar's Shattered Legion unique ride of war. Uh, the people of Chigoris are possessed with of great wisdom and capable of deep compassion. But these characteristics are tempered by a fierce and uncompromising sense of justice that can lead them to acts of apparent cruelty when discipline or honor is compromised. Within the White Scars Legion, outright disobedience or catastrophic failure is rewarded with death. <laughs> Delivered by the hand of a warrior <laughs> superior. <laughs> That's fucking wild. Occasionally, however, this punishment might be commuted to Whoa. exile by a merciful leader sympathetic of mitigating circumstances. Those exiled from their brotherhood are known as penitents or the Sagir Mazan, and it is their fate to seek out an honorable death and in doing so wash away any stain of dishonor. So if you're going to be taking this ride of war, man, you better have some badass fucking fluff because it's pretty fucking cool. So this ride of war may only be taken well, by a master. You, you've not made it to the end of scars yet, Michael. But if you make once you make it all the way to the end of scars, it it perfectly explains this ride of war. Fuck yes, looking forward to that. This ride and of then war. Then after may... you read, oh sorry, so no, we, we have a little bit of a lag here, so I keep stepping on Michael. After you read scars, there's a short story called Gray Talon. Listen to that. It's like an audio drama slash short story. It's a, I think it's audio only. It's pretty short. It's less than an hour long. It's an extremely good story, and it it uh, uh, it involves Iron Hands and White Scars. If you like either of those legions, check it out. And it also ties into the book Vengeful Spirit. So it's like it's a it's the in between novel between Scars, or it's the in between like short story between Scars and Vengeful Spirit, and it's called Gray Talon. 10-4. I will definitely read that once I finish Scars. I finish it tonight, actually. Okay. This ride of war may only be taken by a master of the Legion with the Legion Sestardi's White Scar special rule, and only then when he is leading an army assembled using the Shattered Legion's Age of Darkness theme presented on page 202. Uh, so in, this, in the Retribution book, there is a if, you, if you're buying the Retribution book for your White Scars, you will also find in there on page 202 the rules on how to play a Shattered Legion's army. So, the effects of this ride of war are Death Seekers. So, at the end of any game in which victory points are used to determine the winner, roll a D6 for every unit with the Legion start a special rule in this attachment that has been destroyed, and in, doing, and in so doing yielded victory points to the opponent. On a roll of a 4 or 5, no victory points are awarded, while on a 6, no victory points are awarded, and owning side earns an additional victory point. So that means on, what, a 1, 2, or 3, when you roll a dice for each unit that's dead, the your opponent gets an additional so, victory point? So this is extremely good in a kill point mission. No, because what happens is at the end of the game, when you would tally kill points, you roll a d6 for each of these units. On a 1, 2, or 3, they score the kill point like normal which they should get 100% of the time, but they're good. it's getting cut down to 50%. Right. Because on a 4 or 5, they don't get the kill point at all. And on a roll of a 6, 0.3% of the time or whatever, 16.2, whatever it is, um, not only do they not get the kill point, but you gain the kill point. It's fucking brutal. So in a kill point mission, that's extremely powerful. So the next rule they have, next effect they have is Serpent's Eye, 
which means all models with the Lingus Astartes special rule are fearless for the first turn of any assault. Also pretty powerful. Yep, which is, yes, which is the most important time to be fearless because that's usually when the units are at their biggest and you're most likely to take the largest number of casualties. Absolutely. Really good. So limitations for this route of war. This route of war may only be used by a loyalist army. The army may never contain more vehicles than it has units with the infantry type. So that's extremely restrictive, that last one, because you cannot contain more vehicles. So that's not vehicle units. That's actually individual vehicles. So even if you had like a squadron of three javelins, each javelin would count as an individual vehicle. And then if you look, you have to counterbalance that with units that specifically have the infantry type. Jet and bikes, uh, yeah. Praetor on bike, whatever. Even though those things have Legion Astartes, it doesn't matter. It has to be infantry type. So it's it's pretty restrict. It's I mean it's it's just something you have to keep in mind when you build it. You're going to have a very limited number available. And normally, when you see that type of restriction, you see that it it does disclude uh, dedicated transports. And in this case, if it doesn't, so if you're taking a infantry unit with a rhino, those two have canceled each other out. Like it's right. So. Yep, it's like it's like the reverse of the Dark Angel, uh, right? Award the uh, shit. What's that one called? I know we're not doing the Dark Angel episode, but the uh, Iron Wing. It's like the reverse of Iron Wing, where you have to have more tanks. Yeah. Um. So it's it's kind of like the reverse of that on that restriction. Wild. So that's going to be it for Legion specific. Rights of War Forum. Uh, I mean, that's gonna. That's pretty much it. That's all the. That's yep. all the White Scars get special until their next book comes out. Which are they going to be featured in Angelus with everybody else? Yeah. No, they're supposed to be. No. No. Really? Oh, no. Right. Angelus is just supposed to be uh, right. Dark Angels, Blood Angels, and Demons, <laughs> and then uh, I believe that. Uh, some, oh, and Night Lords. Yeah, some Night Lord in there. They're, night, night Lords are getting redone and then Dark Angels and then Blood Angels and Demons and then uh, I think that the book after that is supposed to feature White Scars 10-4 alright so that's all they got right now guys it's a uh, it's a lot to work with though I mean they're definitely nothing to scoff at as far as their their rights of war the way they're played right now so Definitely a very powerful, powerful legion. Uh, yeah, they're. I th I think they're top tier already, even without any of the special units or whatever, just based on their war gear rules and the rights of war. Yeah, they don't suck, man. They're they're pretty uh pretty serviceable. So, I guess we can move on to rights of war that that would benefit them or help them. Uh, I know one comes to mind immediately, but Ryan, what, what have you got as far as rights yep. of war that would fit in line with a White Scars Legion that aren't? You want the obvious one first, which is the jet yep. bike one. Yep. <laughs> so, so the you could take just the generic jet bike one instead of Chigorian Brotherhood. Uh, the advantage of that you would lose out on you know the hit and run and all that shit, and then like the outflank with the infantry because the jet bike one. It only the jet bike one you can only take, uh, which I believe is called Skyhunter Phalanx. Uh, 
the only uh, infantry you can take in that army is infantry mounted in things with the flyer or skimmer type, which is essentially dread claws or um, storm eagles and Castus rams. Uh, but you get that ability where you can leave the board during the movement phase and then uh, re come back into the game using the outflank rule. Uh, okay. And then, but you and you also only get jet bikes as troops instead of outriders and jet bikes. Uh, but you can you because your generic legion rule is if you move the twelve, you know, more than twelve inches or whatever, and you get skilled rider, you still are going to get your three up cover save a lot with the jet bike rider war. So it's, I still think the Chagorian Brotherhood is better overall. I mean, I've never seen anybody choose Skyhunter Phalanx over it, but if you really are just in love with that rule where you can leave the table and outflank, uh, and you're going to run all jet bikes anyway, uh, you might, you know, consider the Skyhunter Phalanx. For sure. Absolutely. So the one that jumps into my mind that I think might be cool uh, is to take advantage of swift action. It says, on any turn in which a unit with this special rule ends its movement phase at least 6 inches, uh, or 12 inches if the unit is a vehicle, bike, or jet bike, what it doesn't say in there on the 12 inches is jump infantry. So it's really easy to move jump infantry more than 6 inches. So you can basically, you could run like drop assault vanguard, or one of the jump pack rights of war and run a, a quite a few assault marines and flyers. Like I think drop assault Vanguard because it basically limits you to flyers and a bunch of jump marines and jet bikes and things like that would be very fluffy for white scars. And it would be super easy to get swift action on um, all of your assault marines. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, that's something that I definitely overlooked and didn't consider. I, I guess I don't really consider I don't think about jump infantry with white scars too 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 much, but yeah, it totally makes sense. And you can definitely uh, yeah. So pretty and much if you any, read it, it says you would no, yeah, anything yeah. with a jump pack. Yeah, so you would you would gain reroll to fail reroll failed wound rolls of a one on all of attacks. So that would be in assault and shooting, and then they would also gain a cover save of six plus. Which uh, or improve an existing cover save by plus one. So you could like literally jump your jump marines into ruins, and as long as you just jump them, you know, seven inches or jump them behind ruins or whatever, they're going to get a three up cover save. And you stick that cyberhawk anywhere, anywhere where you want to make sure that things are going to go right. You know, cyberhawk with jump infantry is very powerful. Yeah, especially if yep. you're. It's you, pretty cool. Yeah, especially if you're moving more than six inches, getting to re-roll, you're gonna. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty baller. Yep, I like it. I I think uh, drop assault vanguard white scar would be pretty cool. And you could also use it for the uh, the other one, the old version of that, where the jump marines get hit and run, and all that, and you get storm eagles as uh, dedicated transports. It's called like wrath of angels or something like that. Yep, and with that too. Very cool, very cool. I mean, it's it's something pretty, that it's pretty point and click as far as as far as it seems, you cool. know. Yeah, something that might be fun, uh, that could kind of be fluffy and cool would be like a a white scars recon company, 
that's some words I thought I'd never see out of your mouth. Recon. Well, I mean, it's like the. <laughs> I don't think the recon company is a bad right of war. We've been over it before. It's not bad. Um, so, it. it I just think it would be neat. Like I, I kind of think of the the other thing that the white scars we didn't really talk about being fast or whatever because they're like, uh, they're always you know swift, fast, whatever, and they're they're kind of like, uh, like you said, step warriors, and they're really cunning and smart. I feel like a recon company would be cool to build for them. And when you think of a recon company, you would think that it would also have like a lot of, you know, land speeders, outriders, bikes, and things like that. So once again, it's something that kind of ties into the theme of white scars. So what what specifically white scars is benefiting the recon company in your head? Um. Well, once again, the swift action, just infantry on foot. If they just move at least six inches, they gain plus one to their cover save. So your recon marines with camo cloaks, um, you know. Even in the open, I think. So if you just like moved them into trees, it'd be a four, uh, a five up, and then with stealth, it'd go to a four up, and then if you did it moving six inches, it would go to a three up. Wow. Um. So you could do that. Um. Then the re-rolling, if you did that, and then you you fired with like your shotguns or whatever on your recon guys, your re-rolling failed to win rolls of a one. Which you know, I don't know. I just like it's not necessarily that it benefits it a lot. It's just pretty cool. The Eye of the Storm would benefit it because you get the you know, plus one to the result when determining which side takes the first turn in an initiative. I got, it's in the same book here. So if you read Eye of the Storm, it says, with this special rule, you may add plus one to the result when rolling to determine which side will take the first turn and which side will seize the initiative. And then the recon, that's just part of your legion rule, so you always have that. The recon right of war specifically says um, when rolling to determine which side takes the first turn or sees, a force may re-roll it. So you're going to get plus one to go first, and both of those are going to be re-rollable. Mm. So you're going to seize on a five-up re-rollable and go first on you know beating your opponent with a plus one that you can also re-roll. So this, that's extremely powerful when you're looking at uh, different missions that have you know, and you're always going to run across it where you're going to run into a table that's possibly lopsided with objectives. And you can tell, like, you know, one sided yeah. is like very clearly a, you know, a, a more terrain heavy side of the table where you definitely don't want your opponent, but you could take full advantage of that. So that that's very, very powerful right of war right there when you combine the recon company and there's their, uh, their, eye of the storm and then that swift action together that that is pretty powerful especially it, it and i'm not thinking about this in a gamey sense but when you're looking at events and stuff like that if you showed up with a scout company a lot of these events you're going to play are going to be you know capture objectives do this and all that that really plays towards the mission quite a bit it's not exactly powerful in tabling your opponent but you're going to be eating up objectives because you can basically pick which side you want Almost guaranteed. Right, and then they all. It also has. It all also has a special rule called forward scouts. So it says all models deployed onto the table using scout or infiltrate gain shrouded on the first game turn. So do you know what has scout? Uh, scouts out. Very. <laughs> well, those two, but outrider bikes have scout. Just build into their rules. So when you scout your bikes turn one. They're going to gain shrouded, and then if they jink, they go to a three-up jink, so it's going to take them all the way to a two-up jink on the first game turn. 
so you can just eat them up. It's very cool. Well, to basically start start right in their face with your scout move because you get a scout twelve, so you're going to deploy first turn. So you're going to scout scout twelve turns. So you're going to move up in their grill again, shoot them. Then on their turn, they're going to have to try to shoot back at your bikes. Um, and then you're going to get a two-up jink save, and then the very next turn, you're going to be able to assault. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. It's very brutal, man. While the rest of your army is just moving around, capping objectives. <laughs> and you, you can also uh, you can also take a uh, Vigilator, because Vigilator, if you take him in the... the uh, he just automatically has Scout, so you could take like a Vigilator and attach him to pretty much anything and give it scout. And then it would also gain shrouded as long as you had a vigilator in your army. And you can attach that to pretty much any unit. What would be the best unit to attach that to? I'm trying to think now. Well, we talked about jump Marines being good. You could take vigilator and put him with your salt Marines. Um, I don't know if he can take a bike or not. I don't have my actual Legion of Stardust book on there. If you anyway, got, if you there's, there's just crazy. a lot of little... <laughs> You, oh well actually that would only be for the first turn oh wait no you get scout so yeah if you got real crazy you could take a destroyer squad attach a more attack oh no no nobody can just can join up a uh, destroyer squad never mind more attacks can that's the any anybody can attack a more attack can only join destroyers anybody can join a destroyer squad but only a more attack a more attack can't join any unit except destroyers but anyone can join destroyers Oh, okay. So yeah, you do Vigilator, Destroyer Squad, Moratat, all together with Cyberhawk. You've got a pretty beastly little unit that's scouting. <laughs> yeah, but Destroyers. <laughs> it's know. like taking a 305 Chevy and spending $10,000 to make a 305 fast when you could just spend $500 and make a 400 small block fast. I'm just dwelling like right now. I'm like I'm trying to see how far we can get into this recon company <laughs> conversation. <laughs> what I what I can get out of you. <laughs> so maybe if we could squeeze some destroyers um, into but anyway, the recon company. <laughs> um, if you were wanting to play traitor white scars, a uh, sacrificial offering might be cool because it's all about like outflanking and encirclement, which is white scars, but it's outflanking and encirclement in an evil way. Yeah. So bad white scars would be kind of neat using that. We've talked about that many a time, why that's good and all that. Um and it's not like armored breakthrough, anything. like if you armored breakthrough because it makes all your light tanks fast, all your things that are three hole points are less fast. If you're wanting to run a lot of tanks in a white scar army, like actual run an armored column of white scars, this actually seems pretty cool to do that with. Like, it, if you're wanting to run White Scar tanks, Armored Breakthrough wouldn't be a bad way to do it. Yeah. So. It's just, it's kind of rough. I really like the idea of the, um, you said the Trader White Scar is doing the Sacrificial Offering Rod of War. Because when you're outflanking with everything like that, yeah. you really get to take advantage of the swift action. Because, I mean, you're not going to get the. Yeah, re-roll of the uh, the. Uh, oh yeah, you do actually. So with that swift action, because you're coming in from any table edge, 
you're always going to be able to move 12 inches like regardless you know you could you know pick a point at the table edge you're moving 12 inches onto the table and regardless of how you move it so you're pretty much guaranteed that plus one or that plus one to your your cover save and then you get to re-roll all the wounds of rolls of a one with all your attack oh that's only with attacks so never mind yeah so oh yeah so yeah yep <laughs> with attacks everything you do to like damage is an attack yeah no I get it so it's yeah, any roll no, of wound I, so if you were to bring in, like, yeah, no, I, I'm sorry why I went to like close combat all of a sudden, but yeah, and you can't charge. I was saying you can't charge when you outflank, but yeah, no, if you're shooting anyway, then yeah, you get to it's re-roll. Still an attack. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you roll in with yeah. some outriders that are just completely to the gills with you know plasma or whatever. You roll in on the table, then yeah, it's pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I think those would be my the the. The curveball options for me would be uh, Drop Assault Vanguard Recon Company, and if you want to do trader ones, uh, Sacrificial Offering. Yeah, Sacrificial Offering's fucking White Scar is very dope. Thinking about that now, it's pretty solid. So that's it, guys. Really, on this one, if you're looking at starting White Scars, uh, it this is one of the few armies that is not a go buy a Prospero or a Kalth box and get started. This is one of those rare, like, you're going to have to spend can, the Forge World money. You, yeah. yeah, you can, but you're also going to have to run out and grab uh, some bikes and jet bikes more than likely to go with that. Yeah. And some rhinos. You definitely want to run them in dedicated transports um, or something like that. Now, if you wanted to do the recon company thing, like we talked about, you could maybe start with that Prospero or Kalthbox. Or I would do a Kalthbox to do Mark IV. Well, no, because they're like one of the least resupplied legions. See, that's the other weird thing. Like their upgrade pack is Mark II, which makes a lot of sense because they were one of the least supplied legions. So they would have a lot of the older marks of armor. Yeah. Very weird. <laughs> like very, very weird because there's no way you're going to get a Mark II jet bike or anything like that. Um, but I think their upgrade kits, their helmets and their torsos are designed for Mark II. Yeah, for sure. They look dope though. There's just, uh, I guess one of the reasons why you see this as like the least played Legion is because of the cost to get into this Legion is fairly high. It's, it's higher than some of the other legions, especially if you're looking to follow the very singular aesthetic that is the white scars army. Uh, but, you know, there are different answers and different rights of war that we discussed uh, to get you in. Uh, but definitely as well, painting, especially if you're brand new and you haven't even started painting yet or anything like that, uh, painting white is not easy. Like, it's not like it's definitely something that there's, you know, a lot of people uh, make YouTube videos for on how to do and everything like that. So not to try and discourage you or anything like that, but. It is something to do some research on before you delve balls deep into white scars. Uh, but it's it's just one of those legions, man. Cool legion by far. Very, very cool legion. I don't think I've known anybody that's played uh, 40K or 30K and has not said to themselves, man, I'd like to have a white scars army. It's just like a really highly coveted army. Just difficult to get into. 
There was really? a lot of them in 40k uh, not that long ago that weren't painted white scars, but they sure the fuck use the white scar rules. <laughs> yes, they're the legion everybody wants, but nobody wants to paint <laughs> or or use. So very cool. I mean, what else we got? I mean, we're gonna move on to list. I mean, there's not much else to talk about white scars wise, I guess. Nope, that's pretty much it. So if you have any questions on this, guys, if you're pretty much done listening to this episode and everything like that, uh, if you have any lists that you want us to look over or if you have any questions that you want us to answer on, on the air, uh, just shoot us an email, michael at warmer30k.com and ryan at warmer30k.com. Uh, definitely if you have some questions about the things we discussed about Scott. white scars, and yeah, scott at warmer30k.com and derek at warmer30k.com. And uh, if you have any questions or anything like that, feel free to shoot us an email. We definitely like to answer your guys' questions. We try and cover as much as we can when we're not covered up with episodes like this with a lot of things we need to talk about. Uh, as well, you can go to our Facebook page, which is Radio Free Istvan on Facebook. Uh, you can give us a call at 209-RFI-30K0. We will definitely get every voicemail we get on the episode or the following episode. This episode was crazy. I don't know how... We got this many this time around, but definitely something that overwhelmed us, which is a good thing by far. Um, we we love it. Like we wish every episode we had that many voicemails. So yeah, absolutely. Send them in. Uh, if you're an international listener, uh, definitely. If you uh, have a question, you don't want to write it down, you just want to record it. Feel free to record it and send it to us. Uh, we will go over it on the podcast. Everything like that. We love feedback for stuff like this, guys. So if you have any feedback on this Legion, this Legion overview that we did. Definitely send it to us. Uh, it is something that we have been working on. This is only number five out of 18. So, you know, we're, we're definitely knocking them out. Actually, it's number four out of 18, if you really think about it. And so we've got a, yep. we got a long way to go. Uh, we're still knocking out these legions. So if there's anything that you'd like to see from us, let us know. We can try and incorporate it into these segments. We're trying to knock out every legion. And who knows? We might even roll into yeah, We already did that auxiliary. second legion review. <laughs> yeah exactly uh so we might knock out the uh the solar solar auxilla and militia and all that shit at some point too as well but we're we're, yeah. we're slowly trudging along we do it every few episodes uh definitely if you are like horse heresy and you enjoy horse heresy definitely give us a listen guys uh we do this every week and if you want to support us you can support us uh, through Patreon, we do have a Patreon set up. And it does get you some benefits of being a Patreon supporter. We have a special group that we roll everybody into that's a Patreon supporter. And uh, we're about to get soon, some more benefits, boys. <laughs> pretty soon, Ryan's gonna do some serial killer esque tactics reviews, and uh, he's go he's gonna be. I got my equipment. I'm holding my equipment. Remember when I was talking shit about having to buy this microphone? It's been bought. So this motivates me to do it because this is not cheap. This is an expensive <laughs> motherfucker right here. <laughs> so Ryan's going to be doing his serial killer-esque <laughs> uh, diatribes here pretty soon. And you're definitely going to want to be a part of that if, you, if you're interested. So thanks for listening, you new subscribers. We're going to go over some lists now. Feel free to hang around and listen to them. Definitely feel, if you feel like you like this episode, give us a review on Facebook, on Facebook or on uh, uh, Apple, I guess, uh, iTunes, wherever you get your, your podcast from. Give us a review. We definitely pushes us to the top whenever we get those reviews. But we are going to go overhead. We're going to go ahead and go over some different lists now. We're going to go over a Shadow Legion, Iron Warriors, and World Eater list as well as a Night Lords list. So, hang in there.
So let's go to these lists, Ryan. All right. So the first one that we will be over is going to be from Chris. Chris says, a new army for a new year. He says, hey there, guys. Just a message to say a massive thank you for the show. I've been a listener for a while and look forward to each episode. Scott's stories about the Combine Harvester was the first episode I listened to, and it got me hooked. (laughs) Fuck. What a solid episode to listen to. (laughs) I wanted to bounce an idea off y'all. This past year, I've been getting around the UK gaming scene a bit and have played many games. It's been great fun with mixed success, but I found myself getting a little bored of my beloved Alpha Legion. And I wonder if that is that the same Alpha Legion that you wrote him a list for back in like August? Probably. Yeah. I've been having a scratch around for ideas on how to mix things up, and I've got a plan. Shattered Legions. I'm thinking of starting up a Shattered Legion army comprising of World Eaters and Iron Warriors. This would be a Loyalist army, and I'd like to use Kier Valen as a character in the Force. I'm not too sure how to go about this, but but I know I want the World Eater contingent to be infantry heavy and maybe foot slogging. I've got a Vindicator Laser Destroyer and a Fire Raptor unbuilt originally for my Alpha Legion, but they could be repurposed for this project. So I turn it over to you guys. Go play, have fun with it, and I'd love it if you could make it a 3,000-point list. Big love, boys. Chris, at the Unbroken Chain. So what would you do, Ryan? This sounds interesting. First off, like, how would you like work that into the fluff like for a Shattered Legion? Well, you do? it, it kind of makes sense because Kier Valen was at that, uh, what's that fucking battle that's in the Black Book? It's in uh, Book 3. Shit. Where the Mechanicum attacked that strong, where Kier Valen goes to that planet and the fucking Alpha Legion shoot at him and he lands on the world and he fights the Alpha Legion and the Mechanicum and they almost get killed to gotcha. a man and Kier Valen's heavily wounded and he gets drug off. Paramore, Paramore. I knew it started with a P. The Battle for Paramore. So anyway, like because he lost a bunch of dudes and got all fucked up, it makes sense that he would be part of a shattered legion. So maybe you could you could start there and then just have to write in the part where he comes across some world eaters. Okay. Okay. Love it. <laughs> Easy enough. So that's where I would start. What else did you and do? And then he can fill in the blanks after that. So this was a fun list to write. Let me find sorry, I'm looking at my phone for it here. What is Chris? Where's it at? There it is. Sorry. Chris Gibson, Shattered Legion. No worries. All right. No worries at all. <laughs> so it's kind of, a, it's a little challenging because it's like you got to go and really closely read the Shattered Legion rules so you don't fuck those up. And then you got to read like World Eater rules and then you got to read Iron Warrior rules to um, read right of war rules because you can take a right of war and then it benefits the other people that are in the Shattered Legion as if they had the same Legion of Stardis as the Warlords Legion of Stardis. So there's a lot of fucking moving parts. So this is not something that part when writing a list is pretty easy to fuck it up. So I like had to really, it took me a while to write this just for kind of like I had to print, I made print offs of all the shit or Xerox copies of the books and had it all laying in front of me at once where I wouldn't have to like flip a bunch of pages where I could like quickly reference nice. things to make sure I wasn't fucking something up. Obviously the HQ for the Lord of War is going to be Kier Valen. 
It's pretty easy since he said he wanted to play him. And I took the Iron Fire Rite of War. So the cool thing about Shattered Legions, okay. like I said, whatever your warlord is, on his Legion of Stardis, that guy can take a Rite of War. And then whatever your Shattered Legions are from the different Legions can then benefit from the benefits of that Rite of War, even though they have a different Legion of Stardis. So. Okay. That's easy. That's good start. Okay, so I took a a chaplain, and the chaplain has uh, an axe for his Crozius, artificer armor, melt-a-bombs, refractor field, and a jump pack. And for the uh, first troops choice, I took 10 uh, tactical marines. These guys are going to be iron warriors. Obviously, the chaplain's going to be uh, a world eater. Because your two character, you have to have a character uh, for each of the legions of Stardis you want to represent. So obviously, Kirvalen's Iron Warriors, and he wanted world leaders in the army. So I had to take a world leader character. So I took a chaplain. So for the first uh, troops choice, I took ten tactical marines. Um, these guys are going to be Iron Warriors. One of the ten has a Nuncio Vox, uh, which is going to help with obviously this being Iron Fire Right of War uh, as we go along. The sergeant in this squad has artificer armor and uh, no other upgrades. And then uh, the they're in a dedicated rhino with a pinnel-mounted multi-melta. So for the second troops choice, I have 12 assault marines. These guys are going to be world leaders. Um, so all of the guys in the squad are going to change in their uh, uh, chain axes, or sorry, their power or <laughs> chain swords for chain axes. Um, two of the guys are going to be upgraded to power weapons. Um, the sergeant is also going to have artificer armor and a power weapon. And then the entire unit is going to have melt-a-bombs. Um, and then for the third troop's choice, I have another 12-man assault squad that's armed identically. So everybody that has uh, that would normally have chain swords is going to have a chain axe for free, have power weapons. The sergeant has an artificer armor and power weapon, and then the entire squad has melt-a-bombs. So for all these power weapons, you can give them what you want. I personally prefer axes, but you could do a mix. You can use swords, mauls, whatever you like. Um, for elites, for the first choice, I have an apothecary detachment with two apothecaries. These guys are both going to be world eater. Uh, both of them have chain axes and jump packs, and they're going to attach to the two assault squads um, to make those squads beefier. The chaplain with the jump pack will join one of the two squads. Your choice. It doesn't really matter. Um, the second elite choice is a 10-man Terminator squad. These guys are going to be uh, Iron Warriors. They're going to be... It's, so it's 10 Cataphracty Terminators. Uh, five of them have power weapons. You can give them whatever power weapons you want. Um, the Sergeant has a power fist. One of the other guys has a power fist. And then three guys have chain fists. Um, and they are loaded up in a Spartan. And that Spartan has armored Ceramite and Dozer Blade. Uh, and Kier Valen will go in the Spartan with these guys. Uh, then for the third Elite's Choice, I have a battery of two uh, quad launchers, two quad mortars. Uh, they have no upgrades, so just the basic rounds. And then for the fourth and final Elite's Choice, I have another battery of two quad mortars. Um, no upgrades uh, for heavy support I have a artillery tank squadron with uh, two medusas in it no upgrades just standard medusas for the second heavy support slot I have a scorpus whirlwind 
or Whirlwind Scorpius with uh, uh, no upgrades, just base spare bones. And then for the third and final heavy support choice, I have 10 Iron Havocs. Uh, all 10 have missile launchers. The Sergeant has Artificer Armor uh, and Augury Scanner. And you got to remember those guys come with flak missiles uh, and hardened armor for free. It's just part of their war gear. So this is why this is cool. So uh, Kier Valen gets to choose a unit. And as long as that unit stays in the deployment zone, it gets to reroll ones when rolling to hit. So you're going to give that to your Iron Havocs. So those guys are going to be, because they're ballistic skill five, they're going to only miss on ones and then they get to reroll it because of Kier Valen. Okay. Um, Kirvalen also has shattered defenses. So you're going to be able to pick, like, what you're going to do is probably pick their biggest area of cover terrain or area terrain and um, lower its uh, cover save with shattered defenses so that you can shoot them with your quad mortars and medusas or whatever to make their. Um, and then because this is iron fire, you'll be able to put down quite a few counters with the. Uh, the four quad mortars. So that's obviously going to be 16 counters a turn. You can put it down with those. And then the Medusas will also put down two counters because it's a battery of two. And then the Scorpus Whirlwind will put down one plus a D3. So where you put those counters down, you got to remember any any unit with Legion of Stardis Iron Warriors, which in this case, because it's Shattered Legion, counts for um, everyone in the army, including the World Eaters, becomes fearless when they get within six inches. So these assault marines pushing forward and these terminators pushing forward and the Spartans and all that will get to the counters quickly to benefit from that fearless. And then also they all count as uh, Legion of Stardis Iron Warriors so that when you're within, when you're in close to those counters, your artillery starts to not scatter. Wow. So you're banking on the fearless from the counters special rule. So, which is kind of secondhand used normally when you're playing Iron Fire. That's pretty cool. Smart thinking. Yeah, so I mean, so you basically you got the Spartan with the big Terminator squad in it and the two really pushing forward, being that pushing force. Then you got your Iron Havocs sitting back, laying down a, you know, fire. You got the tactical squads. They're going to get out uh, turn uh, one and use that Nuncio Vox to guide in your opening artillery barrage to get those counters out. Um. And then you got the quad mortars, the Scorpius, and the Medusas, which are obviously all good killing units to, you know, kill hordes of dudes. And then the Medusas are good at killing armor and things like that. Uh, then your your main anti-armor in this army is going to be you have the 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 twenty four assault marines all with melt bombs to use your melt bombing, and then you have the big Terminator squad with the chain fists in it. Uh, and this army's actually only. Uh, seven so he has uh 23 points to spend um i think i messed up and gave one of those terminators a power fist and he's supposed to have a chain fist but whatever so you could give that guy you have plenty of points to upgrade that to a chain fist um also with the the few points left over i didn't put any uh power weapon or anything on the iron warrior sergeant and the rhino if you wanted to upgrade that guy, you can or fit in little any little upgrades you wanted. You could also make a few cuts and put a flare shield on the Spartan if you're in love with the flare shield. But I really cooler. feel like this fits the... <laughs> I feel like this really fits the fluff for Iron Fire while also fitting the fluff for uh, Shattered Legions, and, and it'll also work pretty well on the tabletop and look pretty cool. It'll definitely look badass, if anything. To traitor forces teaming yeah. up to become loyalist and fight for the yeah that's pretty cool 
Nobody will see it. So. Very cool, man. Next up, we have a Night Lords 2,500 point list. This comes from powerful Sam Wayne. He says, greetings from Scotland, you powerful cunt speckled ball bags. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. I'm looking to build a fluff-friendly Night Lords Terra Assault list with flyer support slash deployment. I don't have any models so far, so feel free to have your way with the list. Thanks for all the awesome work you guys do. Sam. Uh, dude, have we ever had a writer from Scotland? I'm pretty sure like this is a first. Like I know nobody mm, else in Scotland. Maybe. Like There's nobody in the Patreon group that's in Scotland. There's like nobody, like I've never seen anything come from Scotland. We got New Zealand, we got Australia, we got Sweden, we have Canada, we even have Mexico, never Scotland. Yeah. My goodness. So, whatever, anyway. So, let's go ahead and see. The list he submitted is... 2505 looks like he's got a destroyer squad with jump packs uh the destroyer sergeant I'm, I'm just jumping into it is that right it's just like straight up elites just destroyer squad okay yeah yep. i don't know why the, the hq is right below the elite okay yeah, yeah. just kind of you can go kinda, you can go right below it to the elites yeah okay so he took a destroyer squad with extra combat blades looks like the sergeant has yep. lightning claws a uh, lightning claw uh looks like there's a missile launcher in the unit with a suspensor web and rad missiles. Um, there's actually two, there's two of, of those. those. And the second yep. unit is another destroyer squad equipped exactly the same way. Lightning claw destroyer space Marine with a, a suspensor web missile launcher with rad missiles. It's got two of those in the unit. Oh no, this unit only has one of those in the unit. And then he's got bolt pistol chain sword and combat blade as well uh his hq he took a praetor with artificer armor jump packs master craft single weapon with a nostromen chain glaive uh refractor field with uh, trophies of judgment uh then in his troops he took a terror support squad nine executioners with uh volkite chargers uh so looks like the terror squad has nine volkite chargers the headsman has a nostromen chain glaive and a plasma pistol and he actually duplicated it on the sergeant thing yeah. twice. Um, then he took another terror support squad, mounted that up in a drop pod, nine Volkite chargers. Uh, the headsman has a Nostromin chain glaive with a plasma pistol. Um, so it's three of the same unit, one's in a drop pod. Yep. The other two are just walking, it sounds like. Uh, and his fast attack choice, he took two Storm Eagle. Assault gunship, so these must be where the uh, the terror squads are going to be loaded up in, and they are yep both packing missile launchers with twin link last cannons and the vengeance launcher. Uh, and then in his heavy support choice, yep. he took a fire raptor gunship with armored ceramite, four wing mounted hellstrike missiles, and two independent ball turrets. He upgraded them to the reaper auto cannon batteries, and that's it. Twenty five hundred points of terror assault. So it looks like he's rolling in. With two Storm Eagles and a Fire Raptor. The two Storm Eagles are both carrying the Terror Squad. You have two Destroyer Unit squads that are jumping around with their 
missile launchers and extra close combat weapons. It looks like the Praetor might be joining up with one of those destroyer squads uh, to help out and a single terror squad coming in with a drop pod. So looks like just out the gate, you are waiting first turn for three of your three of your uh, units to come on the board. So what'd you do to, to help this list out, Ryan? Oh my God. So, um, <laughs> I didn't really know how to reply to Sam. That's why I kind of sat on this list for a long time. Cause I was like, I didn't really know how to respond to it. Cause we all know how I feel about like destroyers and then terror squads is kind of a re- weak right of war. Anyway, terror assault is with, uh, in a, in a standard game just because it usually lacks in any tank. Uh, terror squads aren't not, great they're kind of like a middle of the road unit storm eagles are kind of a subpar unit uh so i didn't really know how to reply to this and i showed it to a couple people i know that are you know also really good with rules and lists and uh both of them are night lord players and they both said throw this entire list away except for the praetor and the fire raptor and start over special thought too so that's kind of what i did (laughs) <laughs> other than obviously I stuck with terror assault, which you have to take the three terror squads in. Um, he doesn't own any models and I just can't without somebody a hundred percent knowing what they're getting into and without knowing this guy's skill level and, or playing with him, I just cannot, um, conscience sending him off with two storm Eagles and 20 destroyer Marines in an army list. Like, which is, that's, that's, that's nice a lot of to not. Yeah. It's a lot of money to spend and it's a lot of time to paint up for like, I just don't want him to do that. And then it perform horribly game after game after game. And then it, you know, ruin his heresy experience or whatever, even though he, you know, he may not care what. Yeah. It's just, you're digging yourself such a huge hole. It's damn near impossible to climb out of. Cause I mean, if you look at this list, there's no melt bombs at all in this army nope. and then he's got a fire raptor which doesn't have anything higher than strength eight got the four last cannons on the two storm eagles if ran into a single land raider what would you do to it nothing till turn two at least <laughs> well then even then like you're taking pot shots with you know the last cannons on the storm eagle and hoping to like roll six you know with a consecutive six type thing so, yeah, it's just, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> so I try to keep with the exact same theme list, but give it more punch and make it where it doesn't have, like, so steep of a hole that you have to climb out of from the get-go, if that makes any sense. So what I went with is a Praetor for HQ, and this guy is taking Terror Assault. So just same same as before. Uh, he's got a Paragon Blade, Melt Bombs, Digital Lasers, Iron Halo, Trophies of Judgment, and a Jump Pack. So he's a little more, more decked out because I had you know extra points to deck him out more. Uh, so uh, he's a little killier than his other Praetor, and he's more uh, protected. Uh, then for the three troop squads, that because uh, you have to take three compulsory troops in Terror Assault, and they all have to be Terror Squads, squad so i'm going to read it once and you just multiply it by three 
So it's a full 10-man terror squad. Um, the nine normal guys have Volkite chargers. And the headsman has Artificer armor and Nostromon chain glaive. And they are in a dedicated Anvilus Dreadclaw. And there's three of those. So it's three Dreadclaws. Every Dreadclaw has the terror squad in it with the Volkite chargers. And the sergeants have Artificer armor and chain glaives. Um, for the fourth troop's choice, man assault squad. Um, the entire squad has melt bombs. The sergeant has artificer armor and chain glaive, and then three of the basic guys have power weapons. You can do what, you know, once again, any power weapon you want, axes, swords, mauls, whatever you want. Um, so that's four troops choices. So he's going to have four scoring units. Uh, for elites, I took a single apothecary with a jump pack, and it's going to go into the assault man, the assault 15 man assault squad. And obviously, the Praetor is going to join the assault squad too. So it's going to be a really big assault squad with uh, Feel No Pain. Uh, for fast attack, I took a squadron of two javelins. Uh, both javelins have uh, multi meltas and obviously the twin linked uh, cyclone missile launcher. Because it's the only fast attack choice in the army, he could technically. Squadron. So when you roll for a single reserve roll, you get them both in with one roll. And then when you roll for which side they come in on, they obviously come in together, but they're in a squadron. So you can do that. Or because I only use one fast attack slot anyway, you could always split these into two separate fast attacks if you would like. Um, it, but, you know, you have to roll separately and all that. So it's kind of a risk reward thing. It's play it a couple different ways and see which way you like it. It's not going to change the points. It's literally just manipulating the slots. So try it both ways or whatever. Uh, for heavy support, Parasalt only gets one heavy support choice. So I kept his Fire Raptor in there. It's a cool fucking model. It works well with this right of war and it's good on the tabletop. So it's got uh, the Reaper auto cannon batteries on the side, the four wing mounted uh, Hellstrike missiles. So the standard loadout, 230 point loadout. And then for, I took a suborbital strike wing with two Avenger strike fighters. And the Avengers have uh, Kraken heavy penetrator missiles and battle server controls. So in this one, he's going to start with the assault Marines on the board and then get the two drop, the two anvilises turn one with the terror squads. And then the speeders can either start on the board or outflank his choice. Three flyers in the army uh, that start in reserve that come in, but instead of two storm Eagles and a, uh, that have guys on board uh, and a fire raptor. He's, he's going to have a fire raptor and two. So this has more any tank. Cause you got the javelins with the multi belts and the cyclones. Then you still have the fire raptor and then you're up your, you got the crusade, the strike fighters, which and they have single last cannons instead of twin last cannons, like the storm Eagles do, but they're tank hunter. Um, and then it's got the two Kraken, uh, penetrators on each flyer which the storm eagle doesn't it, it only has the strength eight missiles or whatever and then obviously the avenger also has the big uh, bolt cannon and all of that has tank hunter which is the key thing there so it gives it a little bit more anti-armor punch and then instead of all the destroyers you have the big assault squad that all has melt bombs to give you some more anti-tank in there um uh, so, and then you got the, for light anti-tank, the dread claws are actually really good with fire sweep. I've had really good luck with killing tanks with that. So 
Um, I think that's really fluffy. I feel like Dread Claws are a really fluffy unit for Night Lords, and then they're obviously dedicated to Terror Squad, so it's pretty cool to take them. Tim, that you know the the Terror Squad feel with the the flyer support and all that, and all the vehicles in this list are flyers or skimmers because he's got a Fire Raptor, the two Avengers, the two Javelins, and then the three Dread Claws, and then uh, then he's got the Jump Pack guys, obviously. So. I, I feel like this would be much, much better on the tabletop. I still think it's uh, friendly and fluffy. I don't think there's anything cheesy or overboard about it. Um, and and it'll it'll work better and it'll it'll look cool. Yeah, and you're not going to have a bad time. Like, you know, when you decide to play a game and your Storm Eagle doesn't show up and your guys are left off the table and then somebody brings a spartan with a flare shield which is going to happen pretty much every event you play and you realize you can't do anything about it so yeah makes yeah. sense very cool list ryan and definitely much quicker you know because you're getting those ambulance first turn and stuff like that definitely super fluffy for terror assault as well and you didn't change up much you just kind of got it working core of the list is the same like he's, you know, he's got the Praetor, the three terror squads, all that. Instead of drop pods, I went with Anvilus. Um, and then I just added in the, I swapped the, the flyers with guys riding in them for just attack fighters. Uh, left the fire raptor and then had some extra points to upgrade the Praetor and throw the javelins in. Right. So. And it's more scoring units because the destroyers don't score. So before he only had three scoring units, and this list has four. So he's got more <laughs> scoring as well. Perfect. All right. So that's it for that list. So I guess sit back, wait for the music, because we have a special interview coming up from powerful David running the Taking of Phyrex. He's going to go ahead and break down the event coming up that he's going to have. We'll play the music, and we'll move on to that. So hang out, guys.
Alright guys, welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed the music a little bit there. So like promised, we have powerful, powerful Mr. Komen here to talk about an event that he's working on and uh, and getting ready. H how long have you been prepping for this, Mr. Mr. David? How long have you been going for this? Uh, I'm trying to think. I probably started in... We've been working on this for at least two or three months now, but I've I've been working on the fluff that is involved with the event uh, for at least a year, year and a half now, because uh, I, I'm, you know, we can talk about it later, but I've kind of combined the fluff for a custom forge world that I've been working on a design and working with some graphic artists to create, you know, the decal sheets and everything like that on. So just it, one thing happened and then started getting to the point where, you know, I really wanted to put on an event and it just kind of snowballed from there. Everything just really rolled together pretty well. And this is the burning of Ferix, right? Bur burning of Ferix prime or just yes, sir. burning, burning of Ferix. Hubris. Is it really? Is it burning of Ferix hubris? Yes. Oh man, I knew there had to be some yeah. second name to it. Yeah. <laughs> and so what is this? So so we had we talked a little bit about before uh before we started bringing you guys in to listen to the conversation. But uh, but just to share for the listeners out there, so this is an event that you've come up with so far. This is this is an event you want to run alongside the main, like you're looking to usurp the main event. What is it like? Some what, what's that 40k event going on or the? Yes, the primary event hosted there uh, is the Flying Monkeys GT. Um, they, they've done it for two years. This next year in 2018, they're changing it up. Uh, new event location. They're moving and they're, they're, they've also rebranded. They're calling it the Flying Monkeys uh, Con because they're trying to involve games, uh, um, you know, just all sorts. They've got X-Wing, uh, Age of Sigmar. Uh, I believe they're also going to have some Kings of War. Don't quote me on that. There's just, there, there's quite a few things they're doing. I know they also are going to be having uh, like a magic draft on one of those days. So if, if mini wargaming isn't your thing, you know, there's going to be options. There's going to be a lot of things going on there. Also, uh, the event location itself is in a nicer hotel. I think it's called the Drury Plaza, and located kind of in, in central Wichita, Kansas. So you've got some you got some options. Even if like you you're not a gamer, if you just want to come with your spouse, your significant other, you know they're going to be able to go and enjoy themselves and enjoy you know kind of the the local fair, different things that they've got down there. And that's a uh, June twenty second and twenty fourth, right? Uh, yes, the actual event, the burning of, or excuse me, the taking of Ferex. I even messed up my own name there. Dang it. Oh man, that was uh, my fault. That is actually on, <laughs> nah, that's cool, Saturday and Sunday, so the 23rd and the 24th. The actual convention is starting on the 22nd, that Friday, but the caveat there is that the events that they're going to be holding are not actually being held at the event hall. They're going to be hosted at a couple of the local gaming stores there in town. I believe Hero Complex Games. Uh, I don't know if Wizards Asylum is going to be hosting anything, but that's just you know due to limitations with with other events being you know you know hosted at the hall that prevent us from actually setting up there on that Friday. Rock and roll, dude. Okay, so 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 let me let me get let me see if I get this field out. All right, so I decide. I'm going to go to Fly Monkey Con, right? I want to get my 30K Horse Heresy narrative on, right? What do I need? How many points am I bringing? Okay. So we've got a lot of options. That's the nice thing about it. What you need is a 2,500-point loyalist or trader list. 
we do have our initial packet up. So if you have any questions about you know building restrictions, anything like that, uh, please feel free to take a look at that. You've, we've got a link to it on our main page through the flyingmonkeycon.com. Additionally, any information that we put up there and more information, pro, uh, you know, preview pictures, pictures of some of the swag we're getting, all of that is primarily hosted on the Facebook page. And that can be found at facebook.com slash groups slash Ferix 30K, uh, spelled P-H-Y-R-I-X 3-0 with a K. We'll go ahead and post a, a link to that on Facebook and, as well. Gotcha. But as far as the armies are concerned, uh, standard fare, WYSIWYG, we want them, you know, painted. I understand not everybody can paint to a high, you know, to the, the highest quality standard. But the last thing I want is anybody to not come because they're afraid that they're, you know, their painting is not going to hold up or that they're going to get ridiculed for anything. This is about having fun. This is about participating and building the narrative and, and building a story just by being there and participating in it. So I, I don't, if anybody out there is worried about painting side of things, don't worry about it. We are going to do some painting judging uh, for some awards, but it's mostly just for, you know, shits and giggles for bragging. Uh, there's no money involved. There's zero monetary gain involved in this. Um, uh, outside of, I will, I will pat myself on the back for this one. Uh, the event itself is you got to pay $10 for the con badge, which is just to help offset the cost of the event space. And then our event is $35 itself out of that $35, five bucks is going to go towards, you know, again, trying to cover that event space. Assuming we, we sell out to our max, you know, max capacity crowd of 20, uh, for our event. But then all, all the rest of it, that $30 is 100% going into the swag bags as far as what you're going to be getting out of it. So um, really, I'm trying to think outside of that, you know, bring your rule books, bring some excitement, brings, you know, a little bit of that bloodthirsty rage for killing those loyalists. I mean, those guys are kind of jerks. <laughs> Fair enough. At the same time, I hope, you know, those, those loyalists bring the penitent with them and decide to uh, put the traitors in their place. So. Gotcha. And obviously Mechanicum, Solar Ox, whatever you want. Um, if you want to bring Custodes, we are allowing it. But the clarification is that they are being limited to an ally slot. Uh, and oh. I believe we're actually, so far we've only clarified the Custodes. Most likely we're going to, we're going to fact that to where it's just Talons of the Emperor are kept to, you know, uh, that, that allied slot. Just because with the narrative, what's happening is both sides are supposed to represent Vanguard forces that are fighting over, you know, uh, key locations on planets that are on the outer circles of the system. And they're trying to establish control. That way they've got a beachhead for the sequential acts of the campaign. And that's, that's really the main thing. You're not going to see Primarchs. You're not going to see a lot of super heavies or anything like that till maybe day two, because we've got restrictions on it. It's, it's supposed to be a lot of boots on the ground, jungle, you know, jungle swamps type type warfare. There's going to be a lot of industrial stuff. I mean, there's so much to talk about. We could talk about it when we get a little more into it. But the, <laughs> the number one thing is is bring your big boy or big girl boots, strap those things up, and uh, be ready to start, you know, slogging through the mud because there's going to be a lot of it. Nice, dude. Okay, so. I have to put aside my 2,500 point custodes list and I got to go pick up, let's say, is, is there anything else with restrictions on it? Like are you restricting Knight's list? You're restricting, uh, so at, Black Shield. Again, at this point, 
at this point, we're really not doing a whole lot of outside restrictions. Uh, I don't, I don't have the packet pulled up in front of me. There are, I think there was no Primarchs day one. Yeah, well, there's, if I remember right. there's no Primarchs at all. In okay, this no event. Primarchs at all. Uh, just because, again, this is the this is the initial you know engagement. We're we're fighting to secure location. Uh, the Primarchs typically would not be sent out on a Vanguard mission like this, which is why you're the custodes are the right custodes right now. Potentially, all talents are limited to allies because you know the Emperor is not going to send out you know a full, you know, mass legion of custodes to go deal with something when it's just this kind of a preparatory strike. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So um, I've got my night list ready to, to bring. And I mean, that's pretty much it. Like that's, I mean, there's not a whole lot of restrictions here. What FAQ are y'all using? Have y'all got an FAQ ready or? Uh, at the moment, we're going to be using the RFI, I of Horus FAQ. Uh, nice. That is, uh, I'm assuming that hopefully we're going to have, uh, I know you guys are calling it like heresy one. I keep calling it heresy prime. Uh, the rule book is going <laughs> to drop before the end of the Bible, the Bible. Yes. Yeah. The Bible is like a new one that showed up that like, I'm really fond of <laughs> the Holy Bible, <laughs> the, the big red Bible. Oh, you're going to love it. But as soon as I'm, I'm assuming that's going to drop before the end of January, just because I can't imagine them dragging that out too long, but I realize that I think they said uh, some guys that went to the weekender in the UK that they told them that it should be out around Christmas time, but not, not in, but not in time. Like if you ordered it when it drops, you're not going to get it for Christmas, but it could drop around Christmas time where you could order it maybe before Christmas, but you're not going to get it before Christmas. Definitely. A New as Year's long present. as they put it up for sale or pre-order by Christmas, that's the, that's all the present I want done walking away. But uh, assuming that they don't have an FAQ that comes alongside that or that they don't already, you know, answer a lot of those FAQ questions inside of the book, right. you know, then obviously we would def we would default to whatever that says. But in the event that they don't do either of those things, we're going to stick with the RFI and the IOHORS uh, you know, FAQ. And then obviously if they put out another book or if they put out, you know, temporary or not experimental, but, you know, a new unit with new rules and anything pops up like that, we'll, we'll kind of take it on a model-by-model model basis. Uh, obviously, don't want to be making a whole bunch of custom FAQs that might, you know, not jive with what everybody else is doing or, or how everybody else plays things. But at the same time, you know, it it is, it is an event that I'm trying to run, and my personal feelings or the way I want to run stuff to – you know, overshadow anything, but at the same time, if something's really stupid and dumb, and it's just not going to be fun for people. I I'm willing to make that call to say, "No, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna handle it." So, yeah, definitely set the tone for your own event of what kind of event you're going to run. I like that. Like me and you have talked about it, and you were worried about putting a bunch of restrictions on and stuff. And I'm like, well, as long as it makes sense with your fluff, it makes sense. Uh, I think we're going to start doing that for our little local events. Like, I I'm going to write just like a brief narrative, and then. I will literally have a list of these are the acceptable special characters that in my narrative were in the area. And I'll probably try to rotate it where, you know, maybe like the first event, just throwing names out there, maybe Mortarian and Korax are the only ones in the area. Maybe only three or four other Primarchs. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and I'll write that in the narrative. Or maybe there's no Primarchs, like you said, in the area. And then maybe one event I'll have no custodes, and maybe another event I'll have 
of you know no limitations on custodes maybe another one i'll have only allies like the narrative and then make people play to the narrative where and then if you have like you're doing like an event series where uh you're you're doing this one event that's going to lead into other events you can build on that and you know change the restrictions from event to event to allow people to bring their custodes this time but not next time or bring knights or whatever and encourages them to you know, play different stuff, maybe paint up different stuff and just, you know, run different armies and not always rely on just rolling out the same. Yeah. Use Primarchs as a crutch or something like that or really, really uh, encourage them to try different armies. No, I dig it. I dig it 100%. Right. Plus, if you're running, like, real heavy narrative, I mean, like he said, it doesn't make sense. Like, you run this narrative and you're just like, I just wrote a narrative for this little, like, no-name system to run my little event, you know, my one-day event that's three rounds, like, you know, if you like, when I have a event here in my at my place, we have a roughly people in attendance. If like fifteen of those bring fifteen different primarchs, how much sense does that make? That you have like some little skirmish and like eighty percent of the primarchs are represented. Like that doesn't. Yeah, no, make for a sure. lot of sense. So no. yeah. Now uh, I did go ahead and pull up the uh, the packet that we've got. So if you want, I can go ahead and run through some of these restrictions and get them all out there. So. Go ahead. Uh, again, 2,500-point list using uh, the Age of Darkness Army construction rules. Uh, you can use the standard Age of Darkness, the Onslaught, and the Castellan FOCs. Um, Leviathan detachments aren't permitted. Um, again, have all the pertinent rules and you know updated information for your list with you. Uh, one of the things that we're doing, uh, per Ryan's suggestion, is that players can bring any number of pre-written lists for use throughout the event, and you can switch lists between rounds. Uh, the clarification there is there's going to be no list writing between rounds. Um, you know, like if somebody decides, hey, I want to try something, or hey, can I borrow a model next, you know, tomorrow, and they want to take the time to fully type up a new list, you know, Saturday night and bring it, you know, Sunday. I'm okay with that as long as you have that physically there. You know, no handwritten scrawls or you're trying to, you know, get this done within 15 minutes or 30 minutes between rounds just because we hold everyone. And I want people to have flexibility, but it's it's a trade-off. You you have this flexibility. You're also responsible for making sure you take steps to get shit done beforehand. Yeah, the pocket um, typewriter is going to come up, come in handy. Suckers. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, <laughs> Uh, any rights of war are fine. Uh, as far as like real restrictions, uh, warlords, uh, players will have a single warlord that you use throughout the event, and it has to be represented in all of the lists that you write. So if you have just like this Joe Schmo um, Praetor that you want to use, it, that same Praetor has to be in every single list that you write. Um, uh, additionally, uh, the Warlord traits are just going to be rolled once uh, at the start of the event, and you maintain that Warlord trait throughout. Now, uh, as far as, you know, we already kind of covered Lords of War, uh, and also fortifications are not allowed on day one. Uh, they will be allowed on day two, and when we get kind of talking about the missions, again, this is representative of uh, day one. Is kind of going to be like that initial couple days or like the first week of you know the insurgency and striking each planet because you're you're doing a mad grab you're trying to secure a beachhead that way you can bring down more troops from the vanguard and then you can start spreading out from there you know securing resources gathering information doing what needs to be done and leading into day two you're actually going to start having some real siege type stuff taking place 
where you're trying to take down fortified positions from whichever side is actually controlling that table following day one. And then, you know, we, everything kind of ends uh, following that mission with the siege, because whether you win that or you lose that, you're trying to extract your forces. That way you can regroup for, you know, act two. Um, and again, like I said, uh, no custodes currently outside of allies. So I, I shouldn't say no. Custodes are totally fine. I want to see them. I want to see some big, bright, beautiful gold bastards kicking the crap out of everybody. But just keep them as allies. Don't make them your primary. Uh, and then here, another thing we're doing, and this one, it may cause some, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping it was straightforward the way we explained it. But special characters are allowed at the event. But what we're doing is we're limiting it to one of any special characters. So when you sign up, when you pay for your ticket, uh, there's a list there of examples of the special characters. It does not include um, Primarchs because, again, Primarchs are not allowed at the event at this time. But uh, when, if there's a special character you want to use in your lists, you're welcome to use them. Um, you don't have to include that special character in every single list you write. Uh, we're not going to... You know, I'm not going to police that, but let's say, unless it's your warlord. Yes, that's the clarification. If say you you take Karn and you want to make Karn your warlord, congratulations, Karn's in every single list. But on the other side, if you just again take a Praetor and make him your warlord, and you want to bring Karn to kick it in the sticks every once in a while, that's fine, and it doesn't have to be every list. Uh, but the one thing I will say is, if I find out anybody took a character and did not include him in any of their lists and just took it because he didn't want somebody else to use it or, or she didn't want somebody else to use it, then I'm probably going to pull him aside and and tell him in a very polite way that they were being a dick. And I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I don't think you'll have any of that issue. I'm, I, doing the same, I'm doing the same thing with my Adepticon event. And I literally just told everybody, hey, I'm going to put a post up at this, um, this time on this day on the Adepticon site and threw it up. And people just, you know, just, you know, I want more Rotarian, you know, and it, it's time stamped and it went down and we didn't have any issues. We had two guys claim Mortarian like within seconds of each other mm -hmm. their own before I even seen it. And it wasn't, you know what I mean? So every, everybody was pretty cool about it and it seemed to go. So awesome. And then another thing uh, that I did not get a chance to mention before, uh, we are going to have some zone Mortalis tables available. Currently it's going to be two four by four tables. Uh, depending on how much I actually get done, we may have an additional two four by four foot tables. Uh, and if people are wanting to play Zone Mortalis, uh, I'm telling everybody you you could bring whatever you want. Uh, again, following the same restrictions, mind you, uh, build 750, 1,000, and fifteen hundred point lists, and you can throw down against each other. You know, over the rounds without actually having to play you know the twenty five hundred point games. And we were tracking the. I haven't really written it down, but I know how it's going to work because essentially all the points that you're scoring throughout all your missions, whether you win or lose, are all going to add up for your side. So every every little point counts uh, for two things. One, securing that planet because whoever has the most points at the end of uh, day one for each of the three worlds uh, is essentially going to control that world. So leading into day two where we've got an attacker defender situation, who, uh, if the loyalists all control, you know, this death world, every every loyalist player playing on those tables starting that day are all going to be, you know, defensively set up first, and they're going to be inside of those fortifications. I and love that. Again, yeah. it's just this. Like, 
it's uh, trying to push that narrative. And I realize it, it may backfire. Who knows? I mean, if we have a bunch of really solid players that are on <laughs> one side, maybe a bunch of newbies on another, you know, you never know. But we're going to roll the dice and, and see how things go. But uh, I'm really excited about the ZM uh, stuff. I've been I've been working on a table that a lot of people probably aren't familiar with. Uh, War game model mods based out of uh, the UK. Uh, they've done a few Kickstarters uh, for LED lit buildings. Their most recent one was for tubular buildings. If you've got a chance, go look them up. Uh, they were the first ones to put out uh, this really nice, like two foot by two foot mat. Like, and it's probably like a foot and a half to two feet tall. It's this giant uh, oil derrick or, or oil rig. Um, it, it looks amazing. Um, they've sold like, I can't remember how many he said of those, but uh, we're going to have a bunch of their buildings represented because I backed the Kickstarter and he's also wanting to sponsor us. Uh, we're just waiting for everything to get cut with, you know, Christmas and all that stuff. He's, he's backed up with it, but I'm trying to remember why I got, I'm looking at his stuff right now. It looks good. Um, I think I also found the hotel. It's the Drury Plaza hotel in Broadview, Wichita. Is that yep. rated really high? Uh, on everything that I'm looking at, it's rated four and a half, five stars on its rating. So it looks like it's a nice place. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to, I think that's pretty much it for like the list restrictions and stuff. But because you brought up the hotel, I will talk about it again. Uh, it's a really great deal. Um, it's like 104, 105 bucks a night for the actual uh, event block. You just tell them, you know, hey, you're coming for the event and they'll get you set up right. Uh, with the room, it comes with two. Uh, con badges which are uh 10 bucks a piece that's like a 20 dollar savings if you want to share a room with a buddy you know it, it ends up being just a little over 50 bucks a night um you get three drink tickets they are going to serve alcohol so you're going to be able to uh either drown your sorrows or celebrate depending on if you're you know oh space for a thousand times but <laughs> Uh, they're also going to have, if you're not, you know, if you don't feel like drinking alcohol, if you're a minor or whatever, that's cool. They're going to have free drinks all day, sodas, tea, all that. They're also going to have uh, popcorn available throughout the entirety of the event that you can just have. Uh, also, uh, you're going to have free breakfast and free dinner with the with the room purchase. And really, if if you're feeling like making, if you're close or you just feel like making a really early morning for yourself, you can come up Saturday, stay Saturday night, and the event's going to be over on our side. Like, we're ballparking. It should be done by 536 at the latest. So people can, you know, take off and get back home uh, at a reasonable time. And does when the, do you uh, think – so you said that will be done on – It's oh, real quick, Michael. So the event is Friday and Saturday, or is it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or it's Saturday, Saturday, Sunday? Sunday. Uh, our event – the, the taking of Ferrix is a Saturday, Sunday event. It is a two-day only event. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent I can't That's what I want to hear. They're messing with they're mess, messing with my work schedule right now at work. Uh we're gonna talk about it a little bit on when when we do the the normal episode. But uh I don't I won't really know what work schedule I'm working until this Tuesday when I go into work. And then also I gotta wait till the first of the year anyway to figure out what the hell's gonna happen with vacations because that's when we start putting down days and all that stuff so Gosh. as long as uh because we we only have three guys in my department anymore so we're not we can't have two guys off Ooh, at the same time yeah. and uh so it really just depends on where people put days down and uh, you know what kind of strings i can pull and it, you know if it's open and all that so 
yeah, I'm going to do what I can, but I can't really co- commit till the first of the year. Try does awesome. your uh, does your does your day one and your day two run together? Like, uh, let's say that I was coming for day one Saturday, but I had to burn off Sunday for because it would put me at home about three in the morning if I decided to drive up there. Uh, if I left at five thirty six, is that something that I could totally do? And you know, not not trying to sabotage it now, but like. Because I could definitely do a Saturday, and oh, yeah. I got all the Lone Star Legion guys, Lucas Lyon, John Stanford, all you fellas up there, John Christensen, we know you're ready to fucking rock and roll, William. Yeah, it's only four hours away from you guys. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I want to see this thing succeed. I want to see people, and, and even, even if this thing goes up in flames and it's just a fiasco, it won't. I want to see... 30k i want to see players i want to see people i want to see my brothers and sisters in arms just talking shit talking smack having beers having a good time if you can make it up for saturday but you can't stay sunday make it i'm i'm not going to penalize you at all and like i like i'm trying to tell everybody the swag bag and alone is going to be in excess of what you pay for the event so come up get a bunch of cool swag enjoy a day one experience and if you got to take off early sunday or if you got to take off real late saturday hey we respect you and we're glad you came so we just want to see you dude fuck yeah and i love how centralized this is like all of you listening right now go look up how far a drive wichita kansas is from you and be surprised at how insanely short of a drive it is i'm I'm pretty surprised at how if you need to fly in they've got a they've got an airport i dig it man Seems easy enough. Seems like a. Seems like you're very passionate about the event. Seems like you got the fluff all down. Looks like a 2,500 point narrative event. Looks like uh, this is the the first event you've run, but it looks like you're in the mood to probably run a fuckload more after this, depending on how it went. So. Oh yeah. Well, so right now, considering you know the the financial investment I've already made, uh, I'm gonna walk out of this owning eight table mats. You know, for a combination of gamemat.eu who is also sponsoring us big shout out to them real quick because they i only had to pay the shipping and taxes on it they provided us with a full set of their industrial terrain which just looks sexy as hell and then also two of their uh table mats at at, you know whichever ones we wanted uh i was this i only got uh the rate two of the really nice regular ones but they also have mats that they sell that are double-sided so you've actually got two different uh, you basically have two mats in one. You just flip it over, and you got a completely different environment. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to bite the hand that feeds, though, because those are a little more expensive. So I just took the regular ones. But I mean, big ups to them, and also big ups to Frontline Gaming because they're 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 giving us a really nice discount because we're you know we're starting events, and it, I don't know what they call it, like their their EO discount or whatever. But um, quality of their stuff is huge, and I I was never big into the table mats. I I backed the uh, Secret Weapon Miniatures table tiles, and I love the hell out of those. I've got a, a set of their Urban and their Destroyed Urban and like their Forgotten City tiles. But when you start rolling dice on those, it's it's you don't realize how loud that stuff is until you start rolling on a on just a regular old table mat, and it'll it's life changing. For sure, man. But, for sure. I have a tendency to ramble and off topic. What did you ask me? No, no, that's <laughs> it. You answered the question, man. We're good to go. So powerful. You, got, you just got really, really loud, Michael. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Got the 
Got the cat on the soundboard. Sorry. <laughs> she's Oh, okay. <laughs> she's uh she's mixing. She's not doing the greatest job right now. She's trying to keep me keep my levels working. Uh that's how she works. Now Ryan had mentioned fluff. I realize I haven't actually given any backstory for the narrative yet. Is that something that is now a good time to do that or do you guys have any other questions? No, man. I, I my biggest question was gonna be how can I get my tickets? Like if we wanna start purchasing tickets already, okay. how do we how do we get that? Also also real quick. I've seen some of uh, David's work, like his own personal models, and he's sent me pictures of stuff. He's an excellent painter and modeler, so I'm not worried at all about him, like, putting out nice terrain. I, I've not seen any pics of, like, I see some terrain in the background because we got our cameras on there. That looks like some of that stuff you were just talking about yeah. off that website, the MDF stuff. Is that correct? Uh, no, actually, this stuff is all uh, straight G-Dub. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, I see it now. That's the old the Sector Imperialis buildings or whatever, yeah. Get my van um, going on over here. <laughs> she just left Wheel of Fortune. Maybe you can have her job. What? Anyway, uh, nah, not blonde enough. <laughs> uh, but he's a very, very, very legit painter. I've seen his stuff before, so it, it. I have, you know, I'll basically put my money on that the terrain's going to look great. And I mean, I, I appreciate the compliment, but since so. you brought it up and I didn't, I will go ahead and throw in a quick plug. I've got my own painting studio. I, I do in my free time. Uh, invested painting. I, I post up a lot of work in progress stuff. And so if you want to see more pictures of the terrain and stuff as it's being built and developed, uh, check that out in addition to the send, send us a link to that. And we'll put that in the link with the event link where oh, people can gotcha. check it all out. So Sweet. I can do that. Also, uh, just something I like to do. If you're putting on an event and you guys are doing any kind of charity raffle, hit me up. I'd be happy to paint something for you. Uh, pro bono, just supply the kit. I did that for the Bug Eater GT this last year with the Gilliman model. And then also uh, the Flying Monkeys, I did a Lord of Skulls. And also the Iron Halo GT, I did a House Terran Imperial Knight. So. Toys for Tots. So you just something for Toys for Tots. Rhino or something. Oh, yeah. I, I specialize in the bigger stuff. So Knights, okay. Titans, Tanks. Um, please don't send me infantry. I don't, I don't think to this date. I've been involved in this game since 2010. <laughs> And I still don't think I've painted a full infantry unit yet. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll supply a knight and send it to you and have you paint up a free blade knight or something for Toys for Tots this year. Be happy to do that. <laughs> okay. All right. So how do we get our tickets for your event? Okay. Well, there's there's one way to do it. There's a whole lot of ways to do it wrong. But there's one way you want to do it. You go to flyingmonkeycon.com. And then on that first page it takes you to, it's going to show all the different events. If you click on the taking of Ferrix, it's towards the bottom. It'll take you to the event page. You scroll through there, and it's going to have two links, one for buying your con badge and then one for buying uh, the actual event badge. Alternatively, if you go and look at the top, uh, I don't know what you call that, but where they got all the boxes of, you know, help you figure out where things are, there's one. Drop menu. Is, yeah, thank you. Drop menu. I used to be a computer science major. I should know this crap. <laughs> uh, but you click on the drop menu for buy tickets, and then you should be able to just add them all to the cart. Again, you want to make sure that you get your con badge, which is $10, and you want to make sure that you get your event ticket uh, for the taking of Ferrix. Um, and if you do decide that you want to stay at the hotel, again, highly recommend it because it's going to be it's a great deal, and it's a nice place, and it's going to be so convenient to just take your stuff upstairs when you're done, come back down, have some beers, bullshit, have a good time. And, and not have to worry about it, um, you know, getting taken or, you know, 
having to stick it in your vehicle or anything like that. Uh, you you can't buy those through the page. You have to buy that through you know the the Drury Plaza's uh, website, and I believe that there's a link to that on the FlyingMonkeyCon.com. Uh, but if you do buy that ticket, you again you're going to get uh, two free con badges that you can use. So you want to touch base with the event organizers. Uh, I think there's a message uh, message them option on the site, and just give them confirmation, uh, probably your confirmation number for the room. And then they'll probably just, I believe they'll just charge, not charge back, but refund the $10. So cool. Badass. Yeah. We'll throw that link up on the Facebook. Very page. affordable. Oh, yeah, for sure. Most affordable one I've seen so far. Sweet. So that's all the questions I had, man. Seems like a pretty legit event. Okay. Gotcha. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Like I said, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. I, I've always wanted to get involved in running events, but I've just always kind of been apprehensive about it. I'm, my mentality has always been go big or get fucked. So nice. Uh, I have a tendency to reach uh, for the stars and I'll end up in space somewhere. <laughs> and, you know, whether I have a suit on or not, is not something I always think of. So, but all, all, all puns aside, uh, that's one of the things I got to say. Big shout out to you, Ryan. Uh, I've been I've been leaning on you a hell of a lot for this, uh, for oversight, for my ideas, and you've really helped me temper, you know, my excitement with realism and practicality, which is something that I normally struggle with. So, I I, I sincerely could not have done this event and would not have had like the the gumption to follow through with it had it not been for you giving me giving me that hand. Also, big shout out to. Uh, Andrew Legio with uh, the Loaded Dice podcast. He's a good buddy of mine. Um, we need to start peer pressuring him because he said he wants to come to the event. And one of the awards we're doing is going to be Farthest Travel. And we got a really nice uh, product that we're going to have thanks to Grim Brothers Coding. We just got that confirmation from them uh, on Friday. Um, so uh, it'd, be, it'd be really Josh sweet to have somebody, come, have somebody come all the way from Australia for an event here in Kansas. So, but if not, if he, if he can't make it, then somebody else is going to have to take that lovely prize home, but you will have to be present day two for it. So. Mm-hmm. Motivation to stay, Mike. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm 10 hours away, but there's people, I think if Ryan came, he'd be, he'd be a little bit further than I would. So. Yeah. I think I'm a little over 12. It's like 12 or 14. Something. I looked it up. Hmm, so I have to travel. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have to put it. Uh, it doesn't apply. It doesn't apply to Ryan. <laughs> That's I have, fine. I have to go to the tip of South Texas and then turn around and then come to beat Ryan. Which I was thinking happen. of throwing in a sexiest beard, but I didn't want to cause like like a fight there on the floor. There's too many models going on. Uh, like Lucas has a huge beard. If Josh uh, comes, he's got a big beard. I think Josh would win if he comes. His is like thick it's got racing stripes it's long yeah he's got that salt salt and pepper beard man he's got that salt and pepper beard and there's always always some sort of sweets in there there's like you can always find some sort of like cake or candy you need a you need a breath mint or a a peppermint you just dig around in there and you'll find one yeah if you ever if you're ever like suffering from a uh, a diabetic like you know little shock there or something like that or you know, you can just get you some get your sugars up by reaching in Josh's beard and pulling out some some cake or some pie. He'll take care of you. <laughs> nice. 
So. Well, uh, do you guys have any other questions, or should I just ramble some more? No, man, we're good. <laughs> we're... I got plenty to talk about. <laughs> I believe it, man. I believe it. I think. I think by this point, since this is the White Scar episode, I'm pretty sure this is probably like what, probably like four hours at this point. <laughs> if if I if uh yeah, we got ten voicemails to do. But what what will I what I want to do is when you ever get like major updates, like if the event you know, sells out or you get a lot of the terrain done or you got something you want to show off, just hit us up and we'll have you on again. We'll definitely, whether it's sold out or not, when it gets closer to the event, we'll, we'll have you on again. Yeah. Dude, and, we'll um, if you want to, if you want to record like a little commercial for it or something with Michael or, or just type something up, like what you want us to read off, we'll, we'll play a little commercial for it at the beginning of our episodes when we do our shout outs, if you want. That's great. Um, hey, you know what you should do? So- like if you like I guarantee you right now and I'm going to tell I'm going to tell you this and people are going to hear it on the podcast and they're going to be like I wonder if you did it if you take a little like drop pin and put it on Wichita Kansas and you made like little spheres or like little circles around it that said like this would be a two-hour drive this would be a four-hour drive this would be a six-hour drive and like just like let people know like if you fall within this circle it's only this amount of drive for you I guarantee if somebody's gonna look at it and go oh fuck it's only two hours yeah, I can make that. I could do that. Or I can, you know, guarantee it, man. Like, just looking up how far of a drive it was for me, I was like, eh, it's not too bad. I can do that. I, I hope Sean uh, Sean Freed goes because he's fairly close. He's in Nebraska. And all of his There goes my Sunday evening. I got a new project. <laughs> he's taking <laughs> notes, folks. Make map. Make so. map with circles. So. Bam. Does that work? That's perfect. That work? That's exactly. Right, well, I'll, I'll Xerox it and send it to you. <laughs> and they said I had. They said I couldn't do art. Uh, so rock no, and roll, but, guys. Like, as far as uh, oh, as far as tickets go, I, I know I've been, I'm I'm just yammering a lot. I, I will say this: I was really impressed. Uh, we opened it up, uh, and within the first 24 hours, hell, actually within like the first 12 hours, we sold seven tickets. So over a yeah. third of the tickets are already sold. Cool. Uh, my buddy Joe, who uh, I just got coffee with before we started doing yeah. the recording. Sorry for being late about that, by the way. Um, he's going to go home and, and buy his ticket. So then we, we had two left. And I've got, I was going to say if we could sell 50% in the first 24 hours, I'd post a special update and preview some of the stuff that's going to be in the swag bags. But we didn't make it there. But if if we get to 10, we, we might do that. Plus, if anybody wants to help with that, on flymonkeycon.com, you can click and uh, they have uh, buttons in the drop downs for each of the events so you can see who's attending. So if you want to know if one of your buddies is going to be going, you can definitely check and know, oh, oh, I know that guy. I know this guy. I totally want to go or say, hey, you know, Ryan Kimmel's going to be there. He signed on and paid for his ticket. Fuck yeah, I want to meet that guy. Yeah, you're allowed to sell 19 tickets, but don't sell that 20th till fucking January and I can figure out if I'm coming <laughs> on. I'll, I'll be honest. What's probably going to happen is I'll probably go ahead and buy one ticket myself. That way we're, we're sitting at nine and then. I, I would personally what what if you what if you just sold out but then I just offered to bring a whole nother table yeah I was gonna say don't you um, fucking dare dude don't you ever save a ticket you bump that well, number up you put you make it a thirty well, man that, event that's the thing fortunately we really don't have any space for day one but again because day two X wing is gonna be gone 
we're gonna we're gonna over double the number of tables that we have access to. So day two, we're gonna be putting some tables together. There will be some that if you want to play team doubles or triples, you'll have that. If we get the interest again, we are gonna have that big APOC game going on on one of the planets. But uh, no, what I, what I'm honestly probably gonna do is I'll go ahead and buy one of the tickets myself because I again. Eh, I'm not. No, don't, no seriously, don't, don't don't do that. If you sell out, sell out. It, uh, even if I can come, whether there's tickets or not, I'll, I'll still come and I just gotcha. hang out with you and help help you run the event, have some beers with you, whatever, and just play pickup games afterwards. If we do, if, yeah, if we get the Lone Star Legion, I'm good with that. So I'm, I'm going to try to come regardless whether there's there's awesome. tickets or not. I just can't fully commit until, uh, like because I said with work, I don't my vacation doesn't remain until the first of the year, and we're having some situations at work with manpower right now, so. They keep fucking with my shift, and I can't. They're only allowing one person off at a time, and I'm low on the seniority poll, so everybody gets to pick their vacation before me. So if if it's open, it's open, or I have to negotiate or whatever. Cool. Yeah, you just got to get Samson's butt over there so he can help out, and then you guys have all the more reason to come because you can just carpool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, all right, man. I'll quit yakking at you. (laughs) Appreciate you coming on, dude. Uh, really look forward to it. Like I said, guys, go ahead and go look up on your phone right now how far Wichita, Kansas is from you. Wherever spot you're at right now, pull your car over, see how far it is from you, and get an idea of how easy this badass fucking event is. And uh, first of many, first of many, I'm so sure. So, got to support all the 30K events, guys. Got to support them all. Got to make them all big. Nice and big. So, all right, man. Appreciate you all and be coming on, David. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Well, uh, once we get some more updates from you, I'm pretty sure we'll have you on again. So go ahead and close out, guys, and uh, give you some more music. Y'all have a good one.